Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Andy. Hey, hey. Duncan. Hello. Jeff. Hello. And John. Hi. <laughs> it wasn't Andy this time. Well, anyway. You, you, didn't give me, you didn't give me a red flag, like the, the rag to the red bull or whatever, red rag to the bull or whatever that you normally <laughs> that, do when you're like, now I make you're wandering sure... like a late bull to the china shop. <laughs> <laughs> the bull comes in and it's like, sorry guys, I'm late. I didn't know I was on. Because <laughs> usually, usually you're like, I'd make sure everybody that nobody does the thing. And then I'm just like, well, that means I'm definitely going to do the thing. And yeah, I'm, then... I'm learning slowly. <laughs> well, speaking of learning, I'm going to go ahead and lay out what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keyframes. First, we're going to cover our end of season roundup. Some of these shows haven't finished, but we're going to go ahead and give kind of our collected thoughts, having watched most of their airing time. And then uh, after a break, we're going to talk about our upcoming spotlight topic, which will be announced after the break. So take it away, John. Okay, uh, I guess I'll start with the top of my list that I arbitrarily ordered. Copcraft is great. Uh, I think I'm the only one who's watched the whole thing, though, right? Yeah, I've watched the first couple of episodes. I've never, I haven't even heard of it. Yeah, yeah, I know. You, you've never heard of anything that isn't porn. Um, I, I hear it's really good, though. <laughs> Not porn. The, the last really shots I've seen of Copcraft, of Copcraft were were, the sh- the sh- were some shots of a, a body swap episode where the lead female is Yeah, no, don't worry, cat. I'm going to get into it. Uh, okay <laughs> just right, so you're saying, start, but not porn <laughs> i'm gonna let you finish but a little bit porny no i'm gonna get into it it's fine uh copcraft it's really good uh it's a, like it's just an urban fantasy this portal to another world opened up not isekai ben just a portal to like <laughs> no, a, just, a fairy world opened up like off the coast of some city i forget what it's called san Teresa, i think something like that yeah fictional, some fictional city I assume San Teresa's fictional. Don't correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I don't well, care. It's a, it's, a, it's a big floating city built <laughs> because it was next to the thing in the middle of the ocean. So oh, was it built because of this? Because of the I'm, portal? Okay. That's okay. what I got from it. Yeah, yeah. You, you might be right. I, don't, I wasn't paying attention that much. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's just urban fantasy. Uh, this cop uh, is like... You know, a whole bunch of elves and fairies and shit live in the city with alongside the humans. There's lots of magic bullshit, so they have this special division of the cops that deals with that specifically because not everyone else wants to, mostly because it's magic bullshit and who wants to have to deal with magic bullshit crimes. Um, anyway, his partner dies, and then this fairy that he was trying to rescue uh, continues to be uh not rescued because his partner died uh and then this elf girl comes in from the other world she's like royalty or some shit she says i'm gonna help you and he's like no i don't want to go away i hate all of you stupid aliens because he calls them aliens yeah Uh um but then you know over time he grows to appreciate her and become less racist (laughs) and uh (laughs) she learns how to deal uh, with her shit she gets a cell phone she's like oh i know how to use a cell phone now aren't i the greatest and then is that a funny bit because those are some of my favorite bits in like other world stuff is people discovering how great cell phones are <laughs> yeah uh it's not really made that big of a deal but uh-huh. <laughs> she does specifically like get a cell phone i think at one point it's a, it's an act that is made to be important um so because i'm me i was i watched the first couple of episodes and the girl gave me a lot of like shinobu energy where it's she's like she looks like an eight-year-old but she acts like a like a hottie uh like aristocrat and she's also mm-hmm. like kind of dumb but also refuses to admit that 
And yep, she's like, uh, she's a fish out of water, so she doesn't know what the fuck is going on in this new world. She's royalty. Uh, she is an elf, so I'm pretty sure she's like a billion years old or whatever. Yeah. Um, but she does look like a little girl. Um, the show is remarkably good about not being creepy about her until <laughs> like episode not eight or nine or something. I think it was eight. Uh, she gets magically body swapped with a cat. And so she's inside the cat's body and that's fine. But then the cat's inside her body and that part is not fine. And I'm pretty sure 90% of the budget of the show went to that one episode where she it literally shows her <clears throat> pissing over a litter box uh, as the cat elfin no. cat body tries to take off her panties so that she won't soil the panties. Oh, no. Why? <laughs> it's getting some laughs here, which is not cool. No. This is from the same guy who wrote Full Metal Panic, so... Mm. But Full Metal Panic's funny. Yeah. It doesn't have piss jokes. It doesn't have a, ca- a cat in a girl's body pissing over a letterbox. That's true. It does have a lot of, like, panty shots and, and shit like that. But Sounds, well, I, I, sounds I, too I know funny. that I felt... I know that I felt, like misled because like her outfit when she's not in like magical fighter mode is actually pretty like cool and restrained looking yeah right Mm -hmm. and then she Mm -hmm. goes into magical fighter mode and she gets a little bit of a thigh gap but they still don't they don't get creepy with her at all like it's it's it is really good how much they don't okay there is actually one shower scene (laughs) i forgot about that that aside that aside (laughs) but normally when you see like an elf from another world you expect her to be Right, you know, she it's, it's like dialed to it. eleven at all times, but she is not, except for there's one episode, and it's infuriating because I think it is it brings the show down from what was probably my favorite show of the season to maybe still my favorite, but <laughs> with a huge cut. <laughs> yeah, you got to you got to compare it to Fire Force. So. Yeah, <laughs> like so, I, it, it looks like it looks like she's just in like that weird like panty uh, leotard thing. That's her battle outfit. Oh, yeah. is that a battle outfit? Right. Yeah, so <laughs> when she goes into battle mode, she gets like a bit of a... Yeah, she gets into a leotard and has a bit of a thigh gap, but she's still... Like, it doesn't... The camera doesn't pander to any sort of gaze or anything. It's just... The All outfit's right. a little sus, but it's not It's not the worst I've seen in my fucking life, so I, I kind of, you know, shrug it off a little bit. Yeah. So when I was watching it, like, the, the, the tone of the first couple episodes was kind of all over the place, which is kind of expected because it's, you know, anime... But the uh, <laughs> it, does it does it stay like gritty crop dra- cop drama or does it get more yeah. just like gag manga ish? No, it's definitely a gritty crop 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 crop. crop, crop. I can't cop say it either. Drama, I can't say it gritty cop drama. Yes, <laughs> it it stays pretty gritty. Like it still has lighthearted moments, like because yeah, you know, it makes jokes about how she doesn't know what things are, and. I mean, like, eventually they go hunting vampires, they fight a wizard, they, they do all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. Like, she's she's the fighter, and he's, like, the detective, right? So it it's, yeah. it makes for a good pair, like a mm-hmm. good leading pair. <clears throat> and I yeah, really yeah, like the Yeah, it seems like show. it has a lot of potential when I was watching it. And, yeah, like, they, they, they did the whole, like, magical vice, you know, department of the cops, yeah. you know, of course everybody is, like, completely, you know, badly um like you know underfunded and gritty and everybody's corrupt so it's like it's got it's got a lot of good stuff going yeah, on yeah there's definitely just... a corrupt cop arc it's pretty great um yeah. the, i really like their boss uh, i forget his name but he's he's just like a gruff dude who <laughs> doesn't put up with their bullshit and it's funny like mm-hmm. i like all the characters that like get a focus um <clears throat> I, I i don't know i really like the show i wish that so would that... you so would you recommend it to people even with the the I, I would almost say yeah, and just even skip over those episodes because they're not important. <laughs> they don't. Serve <laughs> is, it gonna, is it 
Is it going to be one core or two core? Uh, I think it's over for the season. Oh, really? I'm not 100% huh. sure. I did not look into it deeply, but I'm pretty sure it's over. I thought maybe not. Like, it's only 10 episodes right now, so... That's really it'd short. It'd be really short so. if it was over. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that question, I guess. <laughs> I think I do recommend it. Um, it's going to be it's gonna be 12 episodes. Sweet. Okay, cool. Um, it is... The... It is not a great looking anime. It it, it is pretty budget. Um, and then, like I said, ninety percent of what budget there was went to that one episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's really sad. <laughs> that, Next. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> like, it's not great when you're like, this show's amazing, and then episode like eight or nine like has something that's just morally untenable and you have to be like well i guess i kind of appreciate that it was later though because if it was the first episode i would have just dropped it immediately and not got to enjoy the parts that i do enjoy but also why does it have to exist uh i don't know it's uh, it's based on a light novel by the way and the light novel has a subtitle dragnet mirage reloaded and i don't know why they didn't include that <laughs> so in the anime title do you know who Ooh. the um the, the writers the writer is and what their other works are uh andy said it's the writer of full metal panic so yeah uh, I was just gonna say, it sounds like the that like that episode sounds like something which would, t- would take like five ten minutes in an anime ten years ago and would wouldn't be sort of turned up to Edge Lords levels. Um, uh, also, wasn't that like the whole premise of that Nuku Nuku Cat Girl show where they put a cat's mind uh, in a girl's body? Yeah, way to way to steal something I'm gonna talk about much much later in this episode. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this guy, this guy has a, this kid has a cat and it gets killed and so it gets put in the body of an android. But that's more just like, she's functionally a person. She just has some cat sensibilities. It's not like it's a cat that thinks its body is a cat and is trying to behave like a yeah, cat. Yeah, no, this is, this is straight up. This is not an, uh, one of those times where an animal gets put in a human or I guess in this case elf body and has human tendencies. It is a cat, a cat. that happens to have the body of a girl. Um, it is not pretty. Like, uh, this is just, like, Nuku Nuku, all-purpose cultural cat girl Nuku Nuku, has her just, like, she works at a restaurant and, like, waits tables and talks to people, but if she sees a mouse, she'll chase it. That's, that's like, the level of catness in her, not using a litter box and not understanding what panties are. Yeah. You just nyan as a, as a particle in her Yeah, yeah. <laughs> speaking, of, spe- speaking of a Monogatari tween that's going to be coming up soon. <laughs> I mean, it's also worth mentioning that, that Copcraft, the author, the illustrator's... Uh, Murata Range, who does like future logs and other some sort of like uh, visual novel, not visual novel, but like art artist illustration of mostly just cute girls eating food and sort of in panties and shit. So it's interesting. It does look well, good. The art, the artist is the character designer for Last Exile and yeah. Salty Ray. I can actually author, see that now that you addition, say that. Yeah. In addition to Full Metal Panic, uh, the author whose name is uh, Gato Shoji, uh, also did Amagi Brilliant Park, Andy's yep. favorite anime. Yep. So. Yep. This Damn is right. one of those rare moments, by the way, I just want to call it out where me and Andy agree. Amagi Brilliant Park is good. It is good. It is good. <laughs> and I wasn't I wasn't shitting on Range. I think his art's really, really nice. Like It's so distinct that like as soon as I saw that front cover, I was like, holy shit, I know this guy. Yeah, from, like, no, I, I know what you mean. Ten other, I mean I'll... Ten other things, like... I, I will say like the the cover for the first the first volume of a uh, of Copcraft Dragnet Mirage Reloaded like looks great. It it's like, really good art. Yeah, she's drawn like very like k- kind of 
anime, but like it's almost realistic how they draw the yeah the, the way that the mm-hmm. sort of like the soft shading on the cheeks yeah. and the side of the yeah it's very it's very like evocative of his art. So listeners, please like, picture exactly what we're describing and don't look it up yourself, and then yeah. draw it for yes. us and then send it to us. <laughs> uh, you're you're chomping on the the. Uh, my brother, my brother, and me draw us a picture of, oh, of shit. Crash Bandicoot. Oh, I can't do that. That's right. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> but yeah, it, rem- it um, it reminds me a bit of like Sadamoto, who unfortunately is in the news for bad stuff. But Yoshiyuki Sadamoto's like Evangelion designs, where he does like a really like soft, a little bit more real than standard manga art thing too that I really like. I don't think I want to get too deep into it. But what's he in the news for? I did not hear. Uh, he he's unhappy with like the statue for the comfort women. Oh, one of, the, one of those think, guys. He, think, All right. he thinks the stat. It's not even that he like particularly disagrees. He just thinks the statue's ugly, and he like wants like a, a better looking statue. But <laughs> I, okay, I do remember. But then he doubled down, now, and yeah. it like oh, he actually does have some like weird nationalist tendencies, which is funny because. In all of his, like, about the author stuff that comes in the end of mangas a lot, where they, like, write, like, a little page about what they're doing. Like, he all he seems to do is draw and fix old motorcycles. He seems to have no personality besides drawing and fixing old motorcycles. <laughs> so I guess he can, like, have secret right-wing tendencies or something. I, Who knows? I can never remember the, the point of the comfort woman debacle I, I don't know enough about history to even understand it just the, the argument is that they did it voluntarily and there weren't as many it's basically like every world war ii era denialism that the the, the comfort women were, they claim were volunteers and that there weren't as many as like actual historical research has shown that there were so yeah, right. it's, the, it's, the, it's the classic right-wing playbook of it didn't happen oh it did happen it was good actually oh it wasn't yep. good oh it didn't matter yeah, but I, I, yeah. I mean, you've you've taken it a level too far. I mean, I don't even know what the fuck they are in the first place. So like women, women forcibly conscripted to sleep with Japanese soldiers in occupied territories. Oh, fun! Oh, yeah. well, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now Andy's day is yeah. Like that. <laughs> Sorry about that. In Japan, that's like one of the two big denialism things for for like right wing government entities in japan is like the nanjing massacre mm-hmm. wasn't yep. that bad or nanking massacre wasn't that bad and comfort women weren't that bad so, i think there's also like the the experiments right that they performed on soldiers yeah soldiers. i mean the government doesn't even really deny those as much as just doesn't talk doesn't about, talk about the, the manchurian experiments by i think it's like army group 103 or something yeah Ugh. there's anime about it <laughs> oh randomly that comes up in high school girls wasteful days of high school girls it was like one of the <laughs> really? random facts. Okay. Like, yeah, like like the Manchurian candidate incident or something like that. No, it's that's not it. That's that's the movie. Speaking of uh, random references, uh, Copcroft also name drops Jeremy Dahmer at one point, who's a, like a pretty infamous serial killer in America, mm-hmm. which I thought was an uh, odd thing to happen. Jeremy Dahmer or Jeffrey Dahmer? Yeah, Jeffrey uh, Dahmer. sorry, Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, sorry. Je- Jeffrey Dahmer's cousin, Jeremy Dahmer. <laughs> the other Dahmer serial killer. He, he yeah, did no, nothing uh, wrong, he just worked on a farm. <laughs> yeah, thinking, yeah. So, so yeah, he, uh, the cop guy named Jobson and, and, and Talarna, the elf girl's like, who? And he said, Google it. <laughs> Literally says Google it, he's great. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that's all I got to say about Copcraft. Nice, that's 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah um, <laughs> well, 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 really quick before we move on so that we'll have this in the show notes, but the it's unit um, 731 that did the... Uh, biological and chemical warfare yeah, research yeah, yeah. and development in manchuria during world war ii and the reason that it's not a big deal is macarthur general macarthur as head of the occupation american occupation decided that it would make it more difficult for japan to reintegrate 
into modern global society if these crimes were made public and the people that did them were held more accountable. So it's weirdly pragmatic. It's also U.S. He did that a lot. Like he was the force that made sure that the emperor stayed in charge of the Japanese government, which a lot of people did not want like wanted him removed and Japan converted to a full representative democracy. And he was like, no, the Japanese psyche will crumble without the emperor. So we've got to keep the emperor in, in power. And we've got to build a narrative that the emperor wasn't at fault for anything that happened in World War II. So yeah, he's probably responsible for Japan not getting destroyed as bad as Germany did at the end of World War II. And also probably responsible for why Japan doesn't take ownership of its crimes yeah. Yeah. like germany does from world war ii so yeah that's interesting uh this is why we have ben because he knows history <laughs> anyway moving on from comcraft and history thank you ben uh, no problem we'll, we'll be back don't worry <laughs> we could make a really good um transition to katana no astro if you wanted to talk about that's revisionist history i mean that that about is my next crimes. one uh okay uh Katana no Astra, or the English title Astra Lost in Space, uh, is a story about a group of students who are dropped off on a planet. I guess this is the happy-dappy future where students can be dropped off into the wilderness and nobody cares. Uh, So they Mm got to camp and just survive for, I think it was like a week, maybe two weeks, uh, Mm -hmm. and then they'll get picked up. Uh, It's apparently pretty standard practice in this world. Uh, but then they get sucked into like this weird energy orb and flung off into the far reaches of space. And luckily, there happens to be a ship nearby that they yeah. that they fly to. It's a very, very happy coincidence. There's no justification for why that mm. specifically happens. Like, the, okay, there's justification <laughs> in that there is a single ship of this line of ships that was not used and was parked in orbit of Earth. But where they happen to be wormholed to is yeah. exactly next to that ship. They anyway. got lucky, basically. But, yeah, they got yeah. lucky, uh, which is fine. Like it's fiction that happens all the time. You just gotta let it let like, it ride. But then again, it's, th- it's not gonna th- be a great story if they get transported into a fucking empty, desolate space and, and just no one's die. There and they just <laughs> die. <laughs> <laughs> it's our two episode OVA. Enjoy. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, it's a very. I think the characters tend to be pretty charming, and they develop over time, and the relationships grow, and they become good friends after you know being flung into the far reaches of space and basically mm-hmm. not caring one iota about each other um i like like they they start out kind of as one note tropes and develop over time excuse me develop over time and i, I mean i genuinely find it charming um and yeah. then about halfway maybe two-thirds of the way sh- through the show starts dropping these gigantic twists on you <laughs> the first of which is that uh the reason that they were flung into space is because Oh, actually, sorry. I guess the first twist is that somebody in their group is a traitor and is trying to kill them uh, because they they cut the communication on the ship so that they couldn't contact Earth or like their home planet, um, which is not Earth, which is another twist that we'll get into <laughs> shortly. Um, the second, uh, yeah. By the way, we're spoiling it all. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> the second twist is that um, they are they were being killed because they're all clones of a bunch of like high ranking officials and, and uh, uh, celebrities in or on their planet, on their home planet and uh, clones are illegal. And just recently there was a law passed called the genome act, which was specifically passed, I believe to track down illegal clones and punish people who made it happen. 
The third twist is they also get really lucky when they crash land on a planet to find another ship in that line or in that model. Like, so they have, I forget what the actual, I don't know, it was called Astra. Astra. They have the Astra 6, they find, and they, they have the Astra 12, they find the Astra 6, and then they find in that ship a woman who was in uh, hibernation, uh, uh, like frozen, <sighs> wow, cold. Cryogenic. Cryogenic. Cryogenic, thank you. <laughs> I mean, the, the whole... Do twist free, and then we'll discuss the, that Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Finding. So uh, she gets on the ship, she joins the crew, she's really confused as to why they're... why she's in the situation, why they're in that situation. Uh, she learns that uh, their histories don't line up, and it's because... Uh, to me, at least, I thought it was like some time travel shenanigans. Like she went back in time and it caused some shit to happen and then crash landed. But no, what it turns out is that um, Earth, they detected an asteroid that was going to collide with Earth and it was huge and it was going to wipe out all life. It did collide with Earth. Before it did so, they all managed to wormhole to a new planet and they settled there. And in doing like part of this whole process caused like a huge war that killed half of the population of earth. And then they were like, no more weapons, no more anything. Uh, the wormhole technology was partially responsible for this. So when they got to the new planet, they destroyed all wormholes, all wormhole devices, um, blah, blah, blah. And then they rewrote history and rewinded it a hundred fucking years. Uh, so, uh, what they called that it? it was 1963 world war three happened. Right. That's yeah, what they said anyway, but it was, it was all faked. Um, and that's the big twist three is that this fucking it seems completely arbitrary like why does it exist alongside this clone thing which is the first big twist but i love it <laughs> uh it's just ridiculous like it, it one-ups itself immediately one up ep- one episode after revealing the clone thing I mean, it was it wasn't even that though it's like the full review that they hint at the clone thing in one episode the end of one they yeah. fully confirm it at the beginning of the other and at the end of that episode it's like oh by the way what's it's the 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 rescue would uh astronaut is like uh so when are we can get back to earth and they're like what's earth <laughs> yeah yeah she she's calling it earth and they're like uh we don't know what earth is uh, but, so they have rewritten all of history to make it take place on this new planet yeah. that they have astra which but, happened over 100 or over 100 years ago yeah or something like that mm. i um, like is that is that like does is that a good twist Did it feel good I to liked like it. i liked it you know i thought it was a good twist it just also feels unnecessary because it doesn't really impact the story of the clone thing which is the main reason they're in the situation they're yeah, in you know I, it's mm. like I, I actually found the clone bit the bit which was most discordant because it's like okay we, they they want the, the author obviously wants them to have an excuse to go exploring all these planets and make their way back to their original and like the thing I assume, John, and you can tell me if this sounds daft, is that they go. They have a route where they go, I think it's uh, five or six planets on their way back. And mm-hmm. I assumed that these were planets because the, uh, the astronaut they find tells them that, that there were a load of ships sent out to try and find possible new homes for, for people um, from Earth. And I assume, mm-hmm. like the reason that they found her ship and crossed that is because this was like different iterations. So they went first one. So this was a path of iterations they took. So they went to one. And mm. so it was a, a, path, a repeated path. Like the, the ships all went off 
in one direction one would stop at this planet next the next closest so the closest fourth fifth sixth whatever. yeah i think that was the intent is like each of those ships was sent out to explore uh and try to find yeah. the perfect and so so i think that that that's that's the explanation for it they're sent back to earth and so they're retracing the uh, their ancestors took back out and that but, part is i think coincidental because the, when they get on that ship zach the super smart navigator ship pilot guy uh, plots the route find like he he finds the data of you know the galaxy that they're in and plots the route he finds planets specifically that are semi-habitable or at least will let them stop for resources like but th- i don't think that that route existed before he found it mm, but that's the exact same uh same idea that someone would have if they are trying to find a place to emigrate to they'd they sure but they'd... it's it's just a happy coincidence they took that route like the fact that they found her is the second hugely lucky even more lucky than finding the ship around or I mean, earth in a story in a story full of twists it doesn't feel like it's a stretch that that could also be a twist right i think is that kind of what you're getting at duncan no 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 it's, it's more that i think like when you're looking for what's the extraneous bit in this story is it the 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 clones or is it the wormholes i feel like it's the clones which were put in to justify them getting sent out out and attempted to assassinate them and the well, authors, why would they be out there in the first place then? yeah that i think the author liked the idea of people of this idea of people um exploring space and realizing like it's already been explored, <laughs> so, but that, uh, yeah. What what my reaction is is one of the attractions of like the twist in sci-fi novels or media in general, where you discover that you or the people you know are clones, is that what you think of as your identity and the history leading up to to your present that makes that identity is false. And, and they so do for me a at least, it does. That. For me at least, it does feel weird that their personal history is false. And also all history is false. Hmm. Yeah, no, they do. I think they do a lot more with the clone thing. I, I do not agree at all that the clone thing is what's superfluous in this case. Uh, they already struggle a lot with, like, throughout the story, uh, like, who they are, why their parents don't love them, because this is kind of a, a consistent thing among all of them, as you learn their backstories, is that a lot of them, their parents just not a fan uh, treat them like garbage treat them like property which it turns out they are property because or at least the, their parents quote unquote see them as property because they're clones because oh the other thing is that sorry uh <laughs> zach's dad zach is the cool he's the coolest character uh his dad is working on technology to implant memories to, to basically preserve memories and copy them into a body and so they're oh, using the clones to live forever um and that is like I said, I think that that is a lot more impactful and important to the story than the false history of the world and has a lot more to do with how their characters develop, how they learn to tolerate and love each other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, it's also something that's seeded throughout the show, like up until it's revealed, like they talk about the genome project and why one of the characters' fathers um, is, he's a politician and he was against the genome project. Uh, genome tracking i forget what the exact thing was but that project that law um sometimes when i talk i run out of breath is it it, how is it framed like out of interest like is it is it framed like just a 
a straight up thriller or is it framed like a sort of slight it's a, it's an exploration it's it's like it's a sci-fi comedy-esque thing like they have fun they go to planets they struggle with certain, like their ship crashes at one point like i mentioned sometimes they just find a paradise planet but then oops they feel an earthquake and then there's this giant tsunami and somebody almost dies but then they rescue him like it's a pretty light-hearted adventure throughout right. space for the most part but then they have this underlying has, thing where it sounds like a show that i would franks the fuck out of if i was watching this yeah. as it, it has as it released. It has very strong tonal variances it, it can be like oh this is a fun romp in the countryside of this strange planet and then oh god this drama yeah i in my opinion i think it balances it really well and it doesn't mm, mm. There are moments where it'll drop like a joke in the middle of a serious moment and it feels out of place, but I think that's few, very few and far between uh, compared to a lot of other shows mm. that try to do the same thing. Um, I like this show a lot. I Not really anything I disliked about it, to be honest. Um, yeah. So you originally dropped it due to some issues oh that's true it was animation. ugly <laughs> it's, it's it was an ugly show that's the other thing i dislike about it. this and copcraft all my favorite shows this season are ugly compared to the shows that i thought were utterly mediocre but we'll get into that later too <laughs> um yeah i definitely dropped like five minutes into episode two because i was like i can't deal with how bad this is i'll just read why the manga do you, why do you feel i don't because it just see... it uses a lot of shitty depth of field that feels out of place and doesn't really make sense especially in a fucking 2d animated thing like it just i don't know how to i'm not you so i can't describe <laughs> it correctly but i thought it was ugly i didn't like the way it looked mm. i did i just thought like the character design's quite generic like i'd say like it, d- it doesn't stand out as particularly bad but it doesn't stand out as particularly good either the, it's, it's not the designs at all like the designs are I think they fit into the whole one note trope thing I mentioned earlier, but I think that they build on that really well. So it doesn't bother me. The designs I, and some of them are like Zach's the coolest character. He fucking has short white hair and glasses. So of course he's the coolest. Uh, he did, he did have like the best, best moment, him and his, uh, his fiance. Yeah. His love of, it's like she's like, what we're going to die now. And I'm finally going to confess to you. And you, and he's like, of uh, I've loved you since we were children. We've been best friends, and he's like, "Well, yes, of course. I promised to marry you when we were six <laughs> Yeah, he, he he he's really bad at like displaying his emotions, but he uh, has a lot of them apparently. And just when he expresses them, he's just like, "Yes, uh, she's very cute. I love her. <laughs> uh, it's really funny." Uh, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, th- I like the show um, mm. a lot. Yeah. There we go. What was that show called again? Just uh, Astra, Lost in Space. Astra is the Lost English title. The Japanese title is Kanata no Astra. And what's and it, it on? Is, uh, Control. No, Funimation. My bad. Same thing. I mean, it is the same thing technically now, but it's really not. Or are they back on the same I mean, thing again? For now, they... and then later it won't be, and then later it will be again. Yeah, I'm a little surprised Copcraft and... Uh, well, Astra didn't show up on Crunchyroll eventually, but maybe next season is the one where they'll be back on complete uh, parody again. Who knows? Uh, next on the list is Demon Slayer, which continues to be utterly mediocre story carried entirely by stellar presentation. Uh, yep. That's Still really enjoying, enjoying yeah, it. I, I think we've talked enough about it. My feelings haven't changed, but I haven't watched the latest stuff It has yet, had a, so. a bit, bit of a lull for the past couple of episodes. Nothing much has happened. They've just kind uh, of... See, I was going to say that the past couple of episodes... We're talking about the most has happened in the last couple of episodes. They've met the fucking massive, stupid organization that has... You just said you haven't watched the latest episodes. The latest episodes have been very 
Oh. He's in a training arc, right? Like, that's what it is. But that said, I actually think that the last couple episodes have been among my favorite because I really like all the Butterfly Clan people. Like, yes. they are by far the most uh, charismatic uh, and fun group of people in the show, uh, which is really sad because they show up, what, 20 episodes in. What episode? <sighs> what episode are you on? 25? The latest. Yeah, yeah 25. What number that sounds that? right. 25 right. sounds right. Okay, because I have a... I don't know. It must be my, like, England or something. Because it's been stuck on 23 for what feels like I'm ages now. So I'm two behind now. Let me let me double check real quick. I'm going to have to type right, to do this. But... The last episode I watched was the Hashida meeting where they sort of, like, where they challenged Nezuko's uh, goodness. And I thought that was really good. And I thought all the characters were quite enjoyable, too. Um I, I know. I like I said. I've, yeah, I've they're they're been... all fun, goofy uh, stereotypes, uh, I guess. Um, but immediately after that, like the butterfly girls, like, "Hey, come hang out with me while you recover," and then they do, and then they start training, and you know. And... Yeah, I I remember like some of my talking to my friends about it, and they were saying like, "Yeah, so it's just probably going to end on training, which is a really weird place to end." But I guess they've got confidence and craft in that it's going to get a second season. Otherwise, yeah, there's no like, way it doesn't. It's super popular, right? Um, it's super popular, right? Like, I oh yeah, 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 it's fucking yeah. huge. I, I, like... I am not at all worried about it just dropping now, like to just just ending. Um, but yeah, I don't really have a lot more to say about it. I think that it's a shame that this thing gets so much budget, while something like Copcraft is is, is honestly kind of an ugly show, like Astra. Uh, I, I mean, know. it's 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 in Shonen Jump, and it's by UFO Table, who did like Fates. Like, Fate. no, uh, I I I know why it's happening. I think <laughs> it's a shame. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, I I don't know. I love I'm loving Demon Slayer, but I understand that I'm in the minority. <laughs> you're, you're not in the minority. You're in the minority here. Yeah, I don't yeah. Even know if that's true. It's <laughs> just me. You're in the minority in the brain trust. Well, but... there's there's three of us who at least watched twenty odd episodes of it, so it can't be that bad. I I, I, I still I still don't know why I'm watching it. Oh, I'll be honest. I love it. I love every every episode I've been I've watched. I'm like, yep, this is great. This gets me every time. I just adore the it. The best part, actually, the best part about the past two episodes is an E2 finally stopped being a whiny fucking piece of shit and actually did something of his own volition. Holy moly. Oh, he actually he, developed he a little bit. Wow. No. It was an E2. Oh, also oh, Inosuke. Sorry. Inosuke, yeah, is, the... uh, Inosuke turned into a whiny piece of shit, but it, it was, you know, it was a shift, so it was kind of funny. I like Inosuke, actually. I, 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 like... I have no problems with Inosuke. Zenitsu's garbage until now. I like now. the move. Maybe, I love, I love I Zenitsu. I don't care. <laughs> it's, it's almost like, it's almost like, it's almost like Usopp's arc as well, but, you know, it's, whatever. Shut the fuck. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> so... Stop Maybe telling we'll... me to wind up, Ben. This is important. So Zenitsu's bad. We're not going to let Demon Slayer become the most discussed anime in the history of our podcast. No. It's going to happen because it's going to come back for season two. Oh, Moving God. on. Oh, uh, yeah, it's definitely getting season two. Fire Force, the other slightly less mediocre. It's actually a better st- better story than Demon Slayer, but still fairly mediocre, carried by stellar presentation. It's um, got a short-haired white, no, a short white-haired guy with glasses, and I was like, oh, that's why John's still watching. He is the best character. <laughs> he is. He's actually he's legitimately the best character. The lieutenant? Yeah, sure. he, he's my favorite. He, he, 
he actually has a very similar personality to Zach too from Astra. Uh, <laughs> he's very deadpan and like doesn't show emotion, but has them and occasionally will uh, declare what they are. <laughs> uh, he's got he's like scary anime eyes. He, yeah, he he has like really wide open, small pupil eyes. It's wears glasses. It, he's great. I love him. Um, <laughs> can I can I just Built ask? Like a brick shit um, has to. Yeah, go. Can I just ask, because I, I only watched, I think, two episodes, and I, I thought it was pretty good from what I watched, um, but mm-hmm. uh, do they, I hadn't watched it, basically there were two episodes, and then the KyoAni fire happened, um, or arson attack happened, did, have they, did they change it because of that? From what I understand, they changed a little bit of the end of episode three. I don't know if that carried into the rest of the episodes. Yeah, there there have been mixed reports that, that in some cases they just changed the the flames and some people have reported that they changed like the plot of the next few episodes so it's hard to tell it doesn't feel like it was changed for the worse if it changed at all you know what i mean like it yeah yeah. it it feels pretty consistent with itself because the end of because the season episode two definitely was about what felt like an a calculated arson attack against the fire force I mean, that's the whole series, really, is they're investigating why these fires are being intentionally, like, and not just fires, but, like, the infernal uh, human combustion stuff is being intentionally created by people they discover, or at least the main character discovers, the rest of them already know, blah, blah, blah. Um, The the fire pope is bad. Fire pope, yeah, they call him the evangelist, uh, oh, no, sorry, the fire pope himself, yeah, uh, he's kind of a dick. (laughs) Yeah, so they had the they had the religion of soul, you know, like the S O L, like the sun, um, and which is really odd. You think they would? Do you think their religion would turn to something other than fire? But whatever, um, eh, whatever. Uh, the story's fine. Uh, it's fine. Whatever. Whatever. It's Words? fine. T- Tamaki's god awful though. Tamaki is the cat girl, and there's a moment in like one of the most serious conflicts like in the show. I can't remember the main character's name, but he's fighting the the guy. Like, actually, just before that, Tamaki, the cat girl, was like trying to stand up against the bad guy who she really looked up to until she discovered this shit. And she's like, "Please, why are you doing this?" Blah 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 blah. And he's like, "It's fine. Don't worry about it. This is what is supposed to happen." And she like beats the shit out of her. Uh, main guy, main guy shows up and is like, "I'm gonna save you." And she's like, "Please save me." But in the process of this, during this really serious confrontation and dialogue, uh. She has this thing where she's like accidental uh, harassment, something, something. Uh, it's really dumb. Like the joke is that she trips a lot and like the main character's hand ends up under her bra or she trips and uh, her skirt comes off and she ends up with her butt all over his face, etc. It's really dumb. And then she... Like, <laughs> right? exactly like that Basically, she blames yeah. him for whatever she's doing because mm. she trips and falls and it you know that's a you know there's a phase for that it's called sukabe it means i don't care <laughs> i don't want to know anything about why or what it is i just know it's god awful and in the middle of this serious confrontation it happens and she loses her skirt and then she backs up to a pillar and he's like don't worry i'll still protect you and then the bad guy like tries to like throws a bunch of fire at the main character and he blocks it. But in the process of blocking it, some of it gets around and just conveniently burns off over half of her clothing, <laughs> but, but just enough survives to cover her naughty bits. You know, I thought the clothing was meant to be fireproof. I thought that was the whole fucking point of it. <laughs> she's not wearing her fire outfit. Oh, she's right. Just, okay. She's just wearing like a, a, like a skirt and a shirt. 
and it most of it gets burned away. And it's to be so stupid. Don't worry, the baby guts backstory. It's <laughs> so so stupid. It's it's a shonen. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost this. worse than the cat thing in Copcraft because at least that happens separate from it's it's gross, but at least that happens separate from the the serious shit's going on. This yeah. happens right in the middle, completely detracts from what would otherwise have been a really compelling and cool moment. Like it's bad. Fire yeah, force is it, bad. It's just it's just the the confliction of like intense serious stuff. At least with like Copcraft, you could be like, I can skip. You just skip that episode because it's trash. But with this, yeah. it's, it's yeah. But with this, it, you cannot skip it because it is core to every to the events of the of the story of the world. Like you, you can't just ignore it. It has. I don't understand what the author was thinking when they made this happen. That's Probably not true. His editor I, said, "Hey, you need to have some like titties in this." Yeah, Please I think it's, it. he was thinking this is fucking. No, hot. no, no. I, no I, I immediately caught myself. I understand why <laughs> it's happened. He's a fucking idiot. Um, I mean, it's the author who did Soul Eater, and he also has a cat character in that, which is also super sexy and stupid. Soul Eater, yeah, that's. It had a similar thing, but I. It's been ages since I watched it, so I could be wrong, but I don't remember it being this bad. No, I'm no, I, I, but Soul Eater is different because Soul Eater is definitely told from more of a jokey perspective, anyway. Uh, yeah, like, it's definitely more gaggy from start to finish. That's yeah, true. whilst this is definitely told way more straight. And to be fair, the one thing I do really love about Fire Force, even though I haven't, don't remember the cat lady, <laughs> I don't think I got there. But I no, did. Really, she shows up a little later. Yeah, I, I did. Re- I do really like just the general character designs of them all. Like, oh yeah, definitely. I think it yeah. looks beautiful. I really love the fire outfits, like with the yeah. glowy uh-huh. neon stripes. It, it looks so cool, and they do a lot of contrast with like the night sky and and like fires and it's the way, a really the way good that, looking show. The way that like they always come in where it's like it's like black and then shades and then like a tone of red and then it will mm-hmm. just be their silhouettes and then like the white just sort of like flashes like it's. Uh, some sort of like superhero sort of like emblem shit. It's really well done. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then just like the the actual visual designs of all the characters uh, are just like, you can just get their character just from their design and just from like one look at them. You're like, I know everything that you're about. And I really fucking mm-hmm. love that. I, I think that there's a lot of great stuff in there um, that goes beyond the story, but I haven't watched enough. So I can't comment that much. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. Even though I called it mediocre earlier, I think that I've talked myself around to it being pretty good. Except for <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's definitely pretty good shonen stuff. Like I, I yeah. ended up dropping it about halfway through the season just because of like time and like it wasn't doing enough for me to like want to like make time for it. But it's definitely like good shonen for sure. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Fire Force. Moving on. Uh, I guess I'll go to the last Shonen one on this. That's not true, but I'll come back to the one. Dr. Stone, <laughs> I think, is the best one that's currently running, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying Dr. Stone. I actually really... I feel like the relationships that develop, especially after uh, Senku finds the village, like the relationships mm. he develops with those other characters, like the main cast, feels really genuine and, and real instead of forced, like I would argue Demon Slayer is. And to a lesser extent, Fire Force. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, they're definitely quite literally forced together in Demon Slayer, so I can understand that. But I, I also, true. <laughs> I, so that is probably why, like, they have no option. This is essentially an army. Whilst this, like, you've got this sort of double layer of civil again, sort of what makes like what made Tensora, uh slime 
be reincarnated as a slime like really good was the sort of not the world building but like just the the building like the village building like this sort of generation you got this like yeah i think duncan's put it as civilization on fast forward before (laughs) and (laughs) i think that that describes it pretty well like senku is a genius yeah but they they go through the hard work of Mm -hmm. of doing science which is really interesting and fun to watch and and the characters like they pull in more and more characters to help out over time like convincing them with science and it's really interesting and fun (laughs) and food yeah well i mean food is science um yes you guys how far are they into the uh village arc now you're further than me well i'll tell you what i got to i got to the bit where um uh gen who's like this uh notorious sort of like liar um who comes over to basically confidence trickster confidence yeah yeah, (laughs) comes over to check up and see how far senku is going and then specifically he's checking to see if senku's alive right yeah Uh, like but then also sorry carry on the big bad wants to make sure that senku's dead because he doesn't want senku to be alive to continue science because he thinks science is bad Yes. Well, it's not that it's bad. It seems that Senku is a force against his ideal world. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Which is, uh, which is, which is. I mean, if if I have any problem, it's his fucking philosophy, which I <laughs> it's so I, dumb. I think short sighted and dumb. Yeah. yeah, and and then also it's just like, um, you know, you can if if Senku was like had not just science, but. I mean, it's. I, I think this, if, if anything, shows, like, again, one of his weaknesses in that he's not a people person and he doesn't care about philosophy. He only cares about hard science, which is also one of his weaknesses because he could easily, like, philosophize that guy away from his stupid ideals. Like, he could easily sit down and sort of, like, talk him out of the fuck he's doing, but... You know he doesn't, and it's probably it, to me it feels kind of like a weakness to his character. It could also just be an oversight because it's a shonen show, and I'm overthinking this Garbo. Um. <laughs> Speaking of overthinking that Garbo, but do you not think that recreating the status quo is in itself a philosophy that retreading? You say that okay, so that he does science, but he he doesn't ever create anything new. He recreates. It's I mean it's 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 like, you know when you you you're a kid and you get show get a science set and it's here's this experiment you can perform and this is the outcome you will get. Each step he's reproducing something he knows will have a certain result. So it's okay. I I need to get these ingredients and I can produce X. And that's always the question. Where do I get these ingredients? What's the next step? But so on and so I forth. I would just I would just stop you there, Duncan, in that. Like, there's two things that I... I mean, the one big thing I think that disagrees you against that is, is that, you know, he didn't know how to depetrify people. And then he learned how to depetrify people by science. So there's that thing which was. But like he doesn't know how it works. Still, even after, even in the in even in the comic, all he knows is that that if you weaken the that you basically use a solvent to weaken the stone, and when they break out, everyone's perfectly fine. He has no idea. Why is that a Why is stone? that a mark against anything? Like he doesn't know, but he's still trying to figure it out. Yeah. So, and then you've got the other thing, which is he definitely says at the end of the last episode where he's like. I'm going to I'm going to sprint past sprint up to civilization and go past it. He's definitely he's definitely got goals in advancing his science, but he needs to get to that place before. Yeah, like there's certain foundations of modern science that have to be recreated before he can surpass modern science, you know. 
I don't, I don't agree. I, I'm with Andy on this. I don't agree that it's a problem at all. I don't think there's anything wrong with what he's doing or. Yeah. I just I think know. like it's when you frame your main villain as he wants to recreate the world in without its evil and corruption in an admittedly a horrific way and your hero's thing is I'm going to recreate the world you're you're saying change is bad that's we not like, no you see we've talked about this off we like our recording too I, no I do not agree with that at all yeah I don't, it's, it's the, like, I, what, I don't know where you you're getting it from people it's like um uh, the guy Andy just brought up what how does he persuade him he creates coca-cola that's how he yeah, promises but, to create Coca-Cola. But this is the thing. He, he's he got to create the thing that the guy knows. And for something... He can't just be like, I will create you a mystical drink you've never heard of. Because he's going to be like, fuck off. I'm not going to... I'm not going to do that. Why would I come back for that? Whilst if he's like, I've been reborn in this world. And for like eight months, I've never tasted Coca-Cola. The one thing I fucking love. And then he's like, mate, I'll make you some Coca-Cola. It'll be like, fucking sold. Do if it. If I went like, eight months without uh, drinking root beer, I would be really fucking starving for root beer. And I, if it, somebody promised to make me root beer, holy shit, I would do anything for them. It really, really sounds like this show's basic premise is we are we like in the real world are living in the best possible world, and this guy wants to recreate that world. And mm, mm. <laughs> no, it's no, that's not no, that's not it at all. That's such horse shit. Like it, there's no foundation for that in the show whatsoever. Also, there's the fact that they don't know why everybody turned to stone, but we do know that the world, as we know it now, is basically what the world was like right before everybody turned to stone. And it sounds a lot like people no, saying, I wish we again. could just go back to 2015 when everything was normal. And it's like, again. yeah, but Nobody that's, said that's that. why we got 2016. <laughs> Where are you getting this from? Again, like... Approximately 10 hours later. Senku would not want to make a gun if not for that guy being a psychopath, though. Yep. Yeah, he definitely, he definitely. He literally only tries to do that because the bad guy exists. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he has very good reasons for creating. And obviously, uh, and obviously, the gun is the only way of solving that problem. Let's move on. Just before we move on, there is one really good scene um, where so they, so he's creating glass and he's making glass, and there's a really good scene that got to me emotionally quite even though i knew it was doing it and it's one of those things in which i'm just like oh i know you're pulling at my heartstrings and it's fucking working um but there was there's like this stupid character who's got a melon for her head and uh you find out that the reason why she's wearing a melon for her head at the first you just think it's like a dumb fucking character design where it's just cute and weird and, and there's a great joke where she ro- literally rolls into town with the head and then like, <laughs> yeah, she crawls into the melon it's funny yeah um and then it turns out that actually she's using it as sort of like a pinhole camera because she's got what they call the fuzzy disease which is actually just short-sightedness and then senku's like okay well you know i realized i can understand that now and like he he's clever enough to realize what's going on and so he actually makes her glasses from like admittedly still with the melon head so she still has that adorable character design but it's still a really sweet moment where like she puts on uh like the the head with the glass lenses and she's in like a field of sunflowers and she can actually see the sunflowers for the first time and it was really emotional and really oh that's andy andy you love that sentimental stuff don't you did they did they solve the weird headphones thing that uh, that's going on with the oh, one she girl? She is not even on screen for the past t- ten episodes. <laughs> it hasn't been solved in the manga, uh, uh, so it's not going to be solved in the anime for a long time. They're so forgotten. I think that's also really weird. They've literally just been completely forgotten about. Like just no. Yeah, the, the, those two characters have not shown up forever, and it's really weird. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. 
but like, uh, they're oh, actually, sp- they're spying on the bad guy right now. Yeah. So whatever. Actually, we've got these like sexier looking tr- tribal women, so we're just gonna we're just gonna have them instead. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah this, the visual style of the show it kind of looks like a uh, kind of looks uh, kind of yeah. Kinda, I hate kinda, the way that the I women's mean, faces it's, are drawn. Kind of like the illustrator was the person who worked on H manga because he is. See, I was wondering, part of me was wondering that, like, maybe it's sort of like he's actually doing something a, a tad cleverer by making them sort of, um, because they've been alive for, I think, was it like 300 years or something that these persons, that this tribe has been alive, that maybe actually this is sort of like the next layer of evolution, that it's actually purposeful that they've got larger eyes that are sort of further away because all of a sudden they don't have to focus on like what's ahead of them, but they're now, because they're hunting, they now have to focus more around them. So they do ma- naturally get bigger and move to the side. And then I think that, and then, and then I just look at that fucking like original woman with a stupid headband. I'm like, no, you're no, just a bad eyes. <laughs> Oh wow! And the fact that none of the men look like that, which yeah. But the but the guy characters doesn't like Senku doesn't look stupid, and and most of the guy characters don't. It's just the women characters who have these big eyes that are like big bug eyes, which again, it doesn't bother me at all. But like I said, I was like wondering in my head if there was some sort of evolutional reason as to why it could be possible, because that would be cool. You've already had like bits where it's like, well, the North Star is there. Oh no, wait, no, it's not there. It's three thousand years later. It's actually there. So. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if he thought this shit through. Like, I, w- I, w- I await keenly the anime where someone comes on with big bug-eyed anime things and everyone's like, dear God, what the fuck's wrong with her? <laughs> I would say that... Uh, I, I know that what you just said is half-jokey, Andy, but I'm going to address it seriously. Uh, this dude, the author, is actually treating science with a lot of uh, respect and, and like it seems mostly real. I'm sure some of it is, is leap of logic, blah, blah, blah. But... You can't evolve to spread out your eyes in 300 years. <laughs> 300 years is a blip of time in evolution. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. How long did it right. take to make pug, du- pug dogs? Yeah, but that was a directed uh, assault on the dog genome. <laughs> but you don't... I don't know how long... We don't know how long this generation's existed for, right? I think they mentioned 300. We but just, you, you just said... Yeah, you just said 300 years. If it is 300 years, that's nothing. Also, 3,000 years is nothing. Like, evolution takes a long time. Fair enough. Well, no, because if it's... But it depends on the evolution. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. Right, let's move on. <laughs> because it depends on the like the type of evolution, right? No, oh my God. Yeah, like, macro and microscale evolution is something that we can cover at a different time. Let's move to the next one in John's It's really list. important, though. We just spent an hour on nothing. Let's talk about this. <sighs> Lord L. Malloy 2. Lord L. Malloy the Second's case follows Royal Zeppelin Grace Note as a fate show, and it's the best show of the season because it's about a magical detective and he solves mysteries. And I don't know anything about fate, and we've talked about this before, but I like the show a lot. Okay, thank you. Moving it, on. It, it's like we, t- we took um, the two other shows, John's like Copcraft and uh, um, uh, the. What's the other one you liked? Astra. Astra. And we, we took all the uh, sort of. Uh, team building and all the mystery and then we added the show you which you've watched a lot of but you don't kind of like you claim not to like demon slayer which is made by ufot is it how do you know it's, it's not by ufot ball is everyone is saying off of um the fate series which is obviously done by ufot although elmaloy itself is not made by yeah it's made by troika that's something i said wrong on a previous podcast anyway 
it's good. As John says, it's probably my second favorite this season. So it's... I really like uh, mystery shows and this with smart leads who just solve mysteries because they're smart. I, I'm an easy sell and he is that. It's why, it's why you love um, some episodes of Bungo Stray Dogs that are all about mystery solving, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the, the good thing about uh, uh, Elmaloy is that they sort of realize if they're going to have that as their gimmick, then there is a certain uh, irritation in suddenly, oh, here's the answer out of nowhere. Because you're like, okay, well, okay, that's completely hidden from me and i there was no way for the audience to know that instead so instead it's they make a point of saying what um the main character's big thing as a detective is not the how done it it's the why done it it's the motivations oh yeah he has a really goofy gimmick where he says the why done it <laughs> literally says that word yeah <laughs> but it's... but it, but it with a japanese accent i assume mm, yes, so it's yes. like <laughs> yeah but it, it's it sounds silly but it actually is kind of a smart choice because it means it's all about motivations and stuff and so it doesn't matter that i don't know all this weird fate law as long as I can get, okay, this person wanted to hide this thing from this other person because it was interfering with their inheritance and all that stuff. As long as I get the human motivation behind it, it's interesting. And so mm -hmm. it's a good show. And it's got one more episode to go, but I don't think that'll change my opinion on it. I think it it's vastly. probably going to be like a, hey, the series is over episode. Cause yeah, it, just, it just ended like the big six episode main arc of the series, so... Yeah, like everything, all mysteries have been solved. They'll have like a final fight, and then everyone will it'll settle down. And uh, in terms of it's... every single mystery ever, yes, all, all mysteries of them. have been solved. Yeah, it's Jeez. incredible, isn't it? Why, I mean, they, why do we even bother anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Carry on, Duncan. You were talking. <laughs> no, that'll do. I was all I was going to say is in terms of the. The fake canon. It is. It's actually weirdly a prequel um, because it's it's spin-off of Fate Zero, which was itself a, a prequel. And uh, the main character, Wa Waver Velvet, um, it was who gets renamed to, to El Malloy the second yeah. for he, he reasons basically that are takes explained. on the the name of his teacher for, from the previous episode, uh, previous series, who he whose death he was responsible for. Um, as sort of a penance for that. So he takes on his debt and his title until that his sister comes of age and can inherit it herself. But that's that's all fate law and not particularly important. Yeah, what, it's not really important at all. But yeah, it, all that's important is that it has a reasonably well-balanced cast of different talents. It's nice. It's nicely animated. It's not amazingly animated, but it, it looks good. And it has good character mysteries and yeah good show yeah yeah yep pretty straightforward Sounds. good show everybody Sounds. watch it or or don't i yeah. guess <laughs> next on my list uh so last actually I, I guess it was the beginning of this season i started watching don machi i don't know why i picked it up but i ended up really enjoying the first season a lot and then the second season came around and the bulk of it so far has been about a goddess who whose family is a bunch of prostitutes and they kidnap this princess or this girl Haruhime uh and force her into prostitution but also they want to kill her because she's a special 
uh, person with a special magic spell and they want to take that spell and put it in a stone and then they'll give everybody that stone. It levels you up, makes you stronger, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it has not been handled the best. <laughs> uh, it has been kind of a really shitty arc. It's really disappointing because the first uh, series was a lot about the, like this underdog who was working really hard to just become better and 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 he wants to be a hero shown in protagonist uh but but it worked really well like he was a charming dude and and then this happens and there's a scene where he's running around inside the the ishtar that's that's the goddess ishtar uh her her red district trying to run away from all of uh ishtar's family or familia uh trying to get away from them because they want to have sex with him so they're trying to rape him the whole time uh, it's really awkward and bad and then to how cap that, it all off how does that boob even hold up like the no, literally how does the boob even hold up the, the boob ribbon and has oh this is it's, I'm going to say something. I think I said it on a previous episode, but it's actually really well animated when she like lean, <laughs> yeah. moves around. Like the, the rope will like pull up one boob and it it is kind of impressively crafted. It's annoying, it's annoying how much effort they put into that boob. It's and, so like... dumb, but they <laughs> like, do it really the well. Like the, op- the first opening has like her like putting the boob ribbon on and you're just like, yeah. why, why, do you, why do you need that much detail? It's like... It's a string that supports her boobs, but they, they I don't, don't know. I they don't, don't support it's her so boobs. so weird. It doesn't make sense. No. It's just stupid um, boob ribbon. <laughs> but she's a really charming and, and charismatic character. Like, yes, I like her a lot. I like, I like a lot of characters. Just this second season has been garbage. But the arc is finally over. Uh, the, the cap to the arc was learning that Haruhime, who thought that she was a filthy prostitute and unwilling of being saved by a hero because she was a prostitute it turns out that every time she saw a man naked she fainted and so she never actually had sex so she just has it in her head that she's a prostitute but she never she never sullied herself because of course prostitutes are bad um it's fucking bad it's bad bad season but it's over and now hestia has been kidnapped and taken outside of town and bell is chasing uh hestia his goddess uh with eins his uh his massive crush. No, not from Overlord. The different eyes. <laughs> Same spelling, A I N S, but different. Uh, but he's got a massive crush on Eins, who saved him in the dungeon once. And yeah. Can I just ask? Hopefully now it'll be good again. Can I just ask quickly, watching because uh, uh, I have I watched a few episodes. Because also I was saying like that woman is definitely in like the two or three episodes that I watched. Like I remember her mostly because yeah. she looked the, like the boob rope. Pardon? Talking about the... talking about boob rope girl. No, 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 no. The the uh, this prostitute. oh Eins the. Prostitute, oh. uh, head Wait. of the prostitute people. I'm Ishtar? Sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure she's mentioned okay. real, real t- in a really small like. She, it's just like a cutaway of her, but she looks stupid. Um, anyway. Oh yeah, she she's not wearing a top, but she has like this like scarf that covers her boobs, yeah. just hangs over. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. yeah. She's a um, sex goddess, so whatever how quickly do they do they keep the like rpg aspects of it because there's like a whole bit in the first couple of episodes where they uh like they hold like she like holds a like a thing against his back and then look, looks at his stats as they increase does that does that still yeah happen? That, that's does consistent it, yeah yeah and does it's it a really odd throughout yeah yeah no it's a really odd mechanic and arguably stupid and gimmicky but it's consistent within itself and i kind of like it so Fair enough, you know that's that, me 
Because I remember us talking about it, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's an isekai. And you're like, no, it's not. And I'm like, nope, it's not an isekai. It just has RPG uh, mechanics. (laughs) But it's just because of that RPG like element that I'm like, oh, it's an isekai. Um, But yeah. I I mean, I understand the confusion because I thought it was an isekai before I started watching. And then also, like, it kills a monster and doesn't it, like, drop like an orb or something, like a shard? And you just. Drops gems that you turn in for money. <laughs> and there's so much video game logic in it that I'm just like, yep. I, do you want to? That's kind of how they do a lot of their fantasy now, though. Even non isekai is just it has these video game mechanics in that. I don't know why. I guess, I guess that's just what people like now. I guess it's a language that they internalize without thinking about it too much. Yeah, I mean, so... you know, nerds watch anime, nerds play video games. There's a lot of overlap. It's immediately intuitive to us like that if you kill monsters you get xp and level up you know i mean also just the fact that like western fantasy was introduced to japan through D &D and wizardry and like the fact that that lord of the rings was translated but it was not a great seller until after D D started making splashes there so yeah like that's that like primordial fantasy is video game and tabletop fantasy I would love to see more non-video game fantasy in Japan, like Twelve Kingdoms. We talked about plenty of times. I really like Moribito, the the the, the one with the spear lady. I can't remember the full title. Guardian of the Spirit. Thank you. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, but they're, uh, they're, I love they're... that one a lot. Like, I just I want fantasy that is not video games, but also I really enjoy Don Machi's stupid mechanics. So <laughs> I'm part <laughs> so, of the problem. But is it? But like their their equivalent of like fantasy is stuff like Thunderbolt. Uh, Thunderbolt fantasy or whatever the fuck that puppet show. That's a Taiwanese thing, but um, yes, you're not entirely wrong. Um, no, I'm not. But, but... <laughs> I was agreeing with you. You don't need to sound like I'm not John, do you, you feel like there's <laughs> shows like, say, Natsumi's Book of Friends or Monogatari shows which have this world with fantasy elements in it, do those... Mm-hmm. I feel like those are I know, no, that's not uncommon in West media, but I feel like they're very common within Japanese media. Do you think, like maybe, um, like, like Japanese media instead of looking for another place to um, have its fantasy, has spirits and stuff in just our world? I mean, we do that a lot, right? Like we have Harry Potter, we have mm-hmm. Dresden Files, we have uh, yeah. I can't think of any others, well, but like there- Twilight, right? Like. I mean, I mean that's I would... that's a subgenre of urban fantasy, but generally yeah, yeah. speaking, like fantasy in general is based on a sort of neo medieval like mm-hmm. nostalgia, and that it's rarer to have fantasy that does not have the trappings of an idealized thirteenth century Europe uh, yeah. than than otherwise. So, I I mean I I enjoy seeing how permeable the barrier between fantasy and something that's just more heightened or supernaturally uh uh supernaturally real in japanese anime is where it is normal just to have a slice of life but someone can see ghosts or something and um, that's yeah. kind of I mean, more I, drifts I, into like magical realism where yeah. they use mm-hmm. the like the fantasy elements to tell the story rather than creating a like building a world like mechanically and then having normal people in there doing stuff in it which i think is to go back to what duncan said i think that's what natsume and and monogatari actually do really really well yeah Uh, i agree and yeah maybe they do use that as a sort of placeholder for quote-unquote traditional fantasy but i I don't know i I mean i wish both could coexist you know yeah it's just like um 
like Mushishi's like one of like my favorite anime ever, and like mm-hmm. that's an, a, another example of something where they've they've it's still in our world, but there's a complete there's another world within our world rather than we have to go to uh, this new fantasy world to tell these stories. And I think it's interesting that a lot of Japanese stuff takes place within still within the contra- the constraints of our society and uh, well, it's like even going back to Lord El Malloy, it's it's still it'll, it'll supposedly takes place within contemporary society and stuff. And like, yeah. you yeah, can say, true. yeah, that's very Harry Pottery, but I think it's, it's, I do think it's a pretty natural extension of Shintoism and Buddhism, is my understanding. Yeah, yeah, because like the whole point of Shintoism is that every shrine is for a different god, a different enshrined god, and and you know, like you can have a you have gods for homes, houses, and, and like if you. And if you watch like uh, yokai watch, if you've ever like seen that, like a lot of those yokai that they're based off is is from Shinto gods that they believe exist. Like the mm. idea of about a a, a, plas- a paper um, parasol being disrepaired and then turning into a yokai, you know, like it's all it's all based on sort of like again myth and folklore. Tsukumogami is what that's called. I love Tsukumogami is really interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like objects that are just adored and cared for so much that they turn into spirits i like that stuff but i don't i mean I, i'm not japanese i'm definitely not shinto i don't live there i don't really know the culture but like we have superheroes right that's kind of the same thing it's just like fantasy within our modern setting like and it's it prob- it, yeah. it varies from superman is an alien to something i'd say so, that he's so closer to like man. lord of the rings kind of stuff but i mean yeah like you, you could definitely like like I, my, you my definitely point use is that those like, kinds of things. Like the boys kind of does that, where it's talking about people, but it's using superheroes to do it. Or like, right? I, my point was more that like the the fantastical or or unrealistic within a realistic world is such a common thing in both cultures. I don't know if I could attribute it just to Shintoism, or or maybe it is, and we've just come to the same space from different directions. I, I, don't, d- know. I don't know. I do think like the superhero is something different from the the myth if you like superhero there's an aspect of superheroes which is just the the super soldier like what's special and strange about them is that they fight good (laughs) not that the that like i mean but that's a really common thing in anime too right i know but something like mushishi it's it's about the weird ways that they interact with these strange yeah, but even in Mushishi, in the world. he does uh, he does healing good because he has superpowers to see. I was I was not comparing Superman to Mushishi directly. It was more a catch-all. No, like we have we have Superman. We also have Twilight. We also have like we have magical realism that that uh, Jeff mentioned. Like we have degrees of things just like Japan does. And I don't know. To me, it feels like a stress to say that Japan came to it just from Shintoism, as no, opposed to probably true. Oh, I mean, not just, but yeah, I think it's a it's an influence, especially when the yokai stuff comes up. I mean, if you just look at the way that that Western fantasy came about, it's also a weird blend of different cultural trends. If you have these, yeah. you have basically the the birth of science fiction plus like an interest in mythology that kind of grows. And these are what we understand as fantasy today is often a gestalt of cultural forces that we don't always see represented and i don't know i just oftentimes different processes can produce similar seeming things um but yeah i don't know i i i i think it's especially interesting that japan does have a lot of western fantasy but that it kind of 
because it's this graft that was transplanted through video games, there often seems to be a need to like have a framework around it of, oh, this is a video game, or oh, this is an isekai, or oh, this is an isekai video game. <laughs> so so it, so it is frustrating, because I think of, of stuff that's just legit Western fantasy in anime, and beyond Berserk and Record of Lodas War and Claymore, you, you, you quickly run out of things where you don't have to start giving caveats about like, yeah, there's some weird gamey stuff here, or people talk about stats which always throws me off whenever a fantasy anime (laughs) talks about stats or classes like it's it's definitely a goofy gimmick and i don't blame anyone for being put off by it (laughs) i also found that the best bit of over like the end of overlord season one when he's just standing there for a good three minutes just reeling off names of buffs for like no reason (laughs) other than that like uh it's so it's so good in overlord (laughs) i did want to say one last thing about the the Western fantasy thing. I think a lot of Western fantasy and sci-fi, especially the stuff that was sort of, you know, originating in, you know, the early uh, 20th century has a real sort of like colonialism slash like vibe to it where like a lot of it centers around like we got to go and we got to kill these monsters. We got to re or we got to reclaim the land or we got to be worried about this like foreign influence invading us because, you know, it's a product of its times and, hasn't really changed a whole lot though we've kind of like forgotten about those origins whereas a lot of stuff like Natsumi's Book of Friends or Monogatari or things like that it's more concerned about how do we live in harmony with these things how do we like integrate these things into our life it's like and you know and you know we're talking about like the that's true that's and a stuff fair like point that. Yeah. I mean I can't I'm, think of any examples of western western fantasy or even urban fantasy where the goal is to live alongside of it instead of defend the, against it the, that's that's really interesting because it's made me remember like what probably the film which is considered uh, Ghibli's like biggest misstep is probably its uh, take on Earthsea, which was like one is one of the like the what, the most venerated books in uh, the the sort of Western fantasy canon for a long while, and like it was interesting like how much they just sort of didn't seem to get that and like how they felt like they had to almost shoehorn a more conventional story into into it cuz like i that's like that conventional story is not necessarily something which is present in the other uh, uh ghibli films like it's something compared like princess uh, manoke doesn't was more complicated than uh, earthsea was and that, i it's weird how that film that's that novel just was completely bastardized in the tran- in the translation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I agree, <laughs> and it is it is interesting. And I would also point out that like Japan does have plenty of it's just got to kill all the vampires, like the Blood Plus and Blood Sea series true, true. Are, yeah. are all that too. Demon Hunter D, Vampire Hunter D, Vampire Hunter D. You think of Demon Slayer? I'm thinking of Demon Slayer. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it is it is interesting that there is it's more of a sense of of stewardship, and there are are Western fantasy works that also have that same approach, but they don't tend to be mainstream. They do tend to be about the hero's journey and the fight between good and evil. And there is a seemingly a reticence in a lot of Japanese fiction to 
declare their adversaries adversaries to be evil or corruption. Um, and if they are, it's usually due to a lack of right action on the parts of the protagonists or neutral parties. So mm -hmm. is that the end of your list, John? <sighs> no, I have one more. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is, I'm so sorry. You're not uh, this sorry. one is to the abandoned sacred beasts, um, which we've talked about before. It was just me and Ben on my, <laughs> on my beginning of season thing. Uh, so yeah, monster civil war, right? Yeah, it's, it's, yes, that's exactly it. It's civil war and one side created these monsters out of humans. And after the war, uh, they are all going crazy or just like angry that the world wants to destroy them, which is kind of a fair point. Um, I think it's pretty decent. Um, I liked it a lot more than I think it probably deserved because it felt I'm gonna pull I'm gonna pull a Jeff here. It felt like a really legit and well done story about like PTSD and like what do soldiers do after a war? How do they deal with re reintegrating into society? Can they even do it? Like and how war perpetuates war and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if it was intentional. <laughs> it's really hard for me to tell if it was uh like that's what the author wanted to go for or if it was just a coincidence because they wanted to tell a story about monsters <laughs> you know um and i wish that like i spoke japanese and could properly try to find interviews of like or anything about this like like criticism about it in japan because i'm really curious if that was the intent um it's really frustrating to not know you know <laughs> i mean it doesn't i don't think that in well, without going into huge things about death of the author, etc., etc., I think all that matters is what you got out of it, John. Just don't don't worry about that. I'm with you 100% there. I think, like, what I got out of it, I think is valid. What I'm curious about is if that's what the author wanted to do, because, like, I think that's a really interesting question, and I think that there's so much anime that just does sort of, does things for flavor, but maybe they aren't really doing it for flavor, and we just don't fucking know because we don't have the resources to learn, you know? Um, it's kind of frustrating. Anyway, did uh, it strike it as similar as to Violet Evergarden? Because that kind of also I dealt watched with the same uh, stuff, one and right? a half episodes of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. <laughs> I think that it was, from what I recall, like that's what hooked me with it originally was that idea, and then it turned into something I just found super boring. I know Andy loved it. I'm sorry, Andy. We're just never going to agree on that one. Again, I mean, oh. in, in, in the minority on this podcast. <laughs> I can't remember if, if I said this when you you first talked about it, John, but the way you describe it sounds a bit like um, the way the alchemists are treated in F the FMA stuff. Like, you've had this big war, and now you've got these people with incredible powers wandering around, not fitting into society, and looking for other ways to do I, stuff maybe but it's been a while since i watched full monogamous but don't they have like a whole organization of alchemists that just kind of deals with bullshit right well they're, like, all, they're all they're all seconded to the military like there's a military unit and that's why they get called dogs of the military so everyone's yeah. a military dog right and yeah. which, which is meta which, plot reason for that yeah, yeah. but Apart like in the this dogs, the dogs aren't called military dogs they're called military people <laughs> <laughs> okay Andy, or please. nina the dogs are also called nina <laughs> oh no no duncan please <laughs> Man, we already got yelled at for spoiling that once <laughs> we did actually yeah um but now sacred beast is not like that because they are all shunned by society basically even the one good sacred beast left i guess you'd call him hank uh people don't like him they don't want him around but they keep him around as a necessity to deal with the other 
beasts who are left, right? Um, which sucks <laughs> for Hank a lot. Uh, he goes through some shit. Um, yeah, I, I, don't know. I liked it. I don't know if it deserves it. I think that what it does well, it does well, and I think that it does a lot of dumb shit too. Uh, there's a lieutenant lady who just has, you know, tits the size of kansas and yeah that i i think we talked about that in our in the tween it's ridiculous it's laughable it's ridiculous and out of place and she's the only character who ever does anything sexual and it's often just like out of nowhere and but anyway moving on from her in the last episode hank is like struggling in a fight and then he like thinks about his friends and family and it goes super sane and it was the dumbest out of most out of place thing and i was real mad about it and that's my feelings about sacred beasts <laughs> so to the abandoned sacred beasts for the full title i think it's based on a manga they call it dark fantasy so there's that oh hey there's a fantasy thing that isn't uh video game mechanics sort of <laughs> yeah just a weird weird political allegory instead yeah <laughs> Uh, that's the end of my list. I'm sorry that took so long. Uh, we had we had a lot of divisive stuff. And uh, speaking of that, uh, uh, so remind me, who here has watched the anime for Vinland Saga? Hello. I watched an episode. I didn't grab me. I, don't, I, don't I watched as much as Andy. So how far are you all the way caught up then, Duncan? Yep. Yeah. Um, how I, are you? I just want to pipe in real quick. Sorry. Uh, you might like it if you continue to watch andy because i think it starts with a flashback in the anime and if you keep watching like the flashback ends and it gets into more the stuff you sort of enjoy and the stuff ben enjoys less okay yes i mean i should just i should just jumping jumping on on that what i what i didn't like about the opening was this sort of overwhelming feeling that it's going to be this huge quote unquote like air quotes epic adventure and they already know it's going to be epic and i'm just like i don't know oh, something yeah, about I don't know, that maybe it's, it's something about that sort of like front loading of um like that front loading of sort of like precognition about what's going to happen and how epic and amazing it's going to be just really draws me away from the story because there's nothing about the characters. It's just about how epic things are going to be, as opposed to how things are now. And personally, hmm. I got really bored with that. But I know I only watched one episode when three were released at the same time. So maybe it was my bad, I guess, to watch one episode, get bored, and then not continue watching it. Eh, who could say? <laughs> well, how about you, Duncan? How have you been feeling about it? Um, I think it went through a real rut for a couple of episodes. Um specifically it doesn't really handle uh thorfinn's growing up well it has like a couple of good good moments at the start and after that it just kind of goes off off the rails and goes a bit too bit too shonen like when when your viking character is doing the naruto run you know something's gone wrong um yeah <laughs> so come on yeah, yeah i we started when we've discussed this previously i've said um i felt like by when it decided to change the structure from from the manga to a more conventional um chronological arc it lost some of that some of the the some of the interest of of the of how it some of the subtlety of how it was told in in the manga and that it just became just like this growth to awesomeness this tale and, so and you were like ah you're probably you just disappointed because 
as the it's not living up to the manga. And I was like, no, I, I do think it's just not telling this tale very well. Well, so uh, so I just, far- should I just jump in? So how how is the manga? How does the manga tell the story then? Um, so it's basically starts with him already already grown and flashes back to his youth. And so instead of it being a case of of okay, this is is him. He's getting more powerful. It's okay. This is this person. He he fights like this, and you find out why he is the way he is after you've seen how he is. So it's it's instead of just being like, okay, he watched this conventional arc of him powering up. It's okay. We you know he can fight. Why is he fighting? And that that and yeah. the manga feels more concerned with why is he fighting, whereas the anime has felt more like it is concerned with. This is how he's going to fight and how he's going to become an awesome fighter. Anyway, for me, Vinland Saga has two interrelated problems. And the first is the easier one to explain, which is just that like any popular media about the Norse during the Viking Age, it's really impressed and taken with the violence and liberality that is usually imparted to the Vikings I mean, it's not as bad as the History Channel show, which is, <laughs> despite an excellent budget, um, is, I, I think, almost unwatchable in terms of how the Vikings are these idealized, like, like super badass atheists who just drink all the time and fuck all the time and fight all the time and aren't and doesn't afraid of anything. Um, but Vinland Saga, even though I think it's a much more muted and more grounded take on the the Norse in the Viking Age... It still gives us a world that's populated by these murderous, laughing mountains of manhood who disdain Christianity because it's a religion of peace, um, who defeat entire armies of Englishmen who can't even lay a single finger on them in return, and who only communicate with each other through violence and threats of violence, which stand for both hatred or love, depending on who's doing the talking to who. Um, even the most thoughtful of our named characters, Ashkelad, still insults Thorfinn all the time about like what an annoying brat he is before he gives him any sort of answer or advice. So that at first has also has really turned me off and I can't speak to whether that's mm-hmm. present in the manga, but I find it really off-putting this whole like Vikings are the best fighters ever and they're just like better better than normal men, which is, I think, how we get a lot of the really awkward white supremacist mm. fetishization of yeah. of Norsemen and Vikings. And I I won't go too much into spoilerality, but I think hopefully, as it goes further on, they will bring up the, the ways in which Ashlad uh, pushes back against like that. Like, I think... I mean, he's, he's, my, to... he's my favorite character in terms of just not being, like, a big meathead. Like, Mm. At the other end of the spectrum of which is, is Thorkels, who does not, who just seems yeah. to literally be a JoJo villain who got lost in the time stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, he is. Uh, but it's like, like in the most recent ep- episode, Ben, um, Asklad has like a uh, is sitting in some Roman ruins and talking about like how uh, everyone's been been telling him how civilization is going to end and how he's getting older and he's he's getting slower and someone's going to kill him sooner or later. And like he's he doesn't seem he he at least doesn't buy into the Viking power fantasy. Yeah, he, but he still benefits from it in every yeah, other episode. Yeah, and that that's the interesting thing. He's happy to sell it to his men, and like um, 
in that ep- that same episode, he he kills a um, a messenger to take advantage of that of some information he's carrying to try and win renown, and he uses like the the the, the tropes of honor and glory to who uh, sort of hype up his men, even though he knows that they're all going to get killed and probably only a few of them will survive to, yeah, I, I to don't know profit I, from it. I don't know how I feel about that scene because it is just like an army of 500 men led by Thorkills defeated an army of 4,000. How is that possible? Well, Thorkills is just really good at fighting that he can beat an army that's an order of magnitude better, bigger than him. And... And then he, and then then Ashkelad's going to send an an a an army of a hundred men to fight that army of five hundred men. And it's just, I wish it wouldn't just do the whole like, oh, the numbers are so stacked against us, but it would be less ridiculous. Yeah, I I do agree. It's like I mean, there's a certain like I think like there's like a very believable idea that. Trained troops will be better than untrained troops, and like that's always the way they'll sell it. Like, oh, these people are experienced; these people have fought, whereas these are are just conscripts, green green into the field and never seen battle before. And like, that's a very believable narrative, even if it isn't isn't true. Yeah, um, it, well, it's. I mean, well, that's one thing. It's just that I I don't like the the English had been fighting the Vikings for for centuries at this point, mm. and. The idea that when they first assault London Bridge, the English fire like hundreds of arrows and not a single one hits its target. And then the next, then it cuts to a single Viking archer firing and it goes straight through the eye of a guy. And it's like, oh, okay. So we just want to like make sure that there's no worry whatsoever that any, that any like NPC is going to kill one of the main characters. Um, And it just, it kind of wears out for me. And that's honestly like the other problem, which is the one that kind of leads me more to talk to agree with you about your problems with the the plot reshuffle. Um, because I feel like, because we just, because Thorfinn's going through meeting these progressions of like beefier and beefier dudes and that he's met um, Bjorn and he's met Ashkelad and he's met uh, Thorkel. It kind of diminishes the, the significance of Thor's, his father in the plot, because, and this is again, Everyone's favorite thing, especially John, hat tip to him, of me guessing what's in the manga based on what's in the anime. <laughs> but like the idea of Thor's being this this figure looming in the back of, of Thorfinn's head and driving him to do all these feats. But we don't really know who Thor's is as a person. And so it allows him to loom larger than life because we haven't seen him do his thing. But how the anime works out, we see... Thor's fight at the height of his prime, and then we see Thor's punch his way without killing a single person through two ships full of trained Viking mercenaries who later go on to just effortlessly take a a castle single-handedly. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. so we don't really we just Thor's just becomes one in a in a procession of beefy brutes rather than having this specialness that he I think he needs to have to make Thorfinn not look like a whiny bitch of a child. And I yeah. really <laughs> I really don't like how what just what an edge he's talking and I think they wanted this scene to be where he's talking to the slave and he's like, You just don't know my pain. My dad died. And she's like, Yeah, I'm a slave, and even if I go to the ends of the earth, there'll still be men who will who'll put me in chains. And he's like, You don't understand. My dad died. 
And it, it feels it feels very like funny or die Batman <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. At a certain I point mean, where I'm like, your your pain is laughable because I know who Thor's was and you're a complete betrayal of him. And I think that if it was just the dreams where this obviously caricatured version of Thor's is showing up and being like, hey, I wouldn't like this. This isn't honoring me. And and uh, Thorfinn wakes up and is like, man, that was a funny dream. Anyway, time to go work for my dad's killer. Uh, yeah. to get a chance to kill him. I think that there's a mistake in, in having in having Thor's exit the narrative so soon, even though I understand in terms of just they have less time to, to do all of these plot things and people are already saying they're going to be ending in a weird place with how they're moving and assuming they have 12 more episodes left. So... Um, in terms of... I don't know. I think I do, there is a natural place where they could end, I think, at the pace they're going currently. Um... Which which I think they can do, um, yeah. Huh. But uh, but just uh, but just I having think... having Thor's like quiet, strong, principled Christianity laid out against like the laughable devotions were, uh, that we see later with the English and the French. Then having Canute, who I guess is Christian and his dad is not, even though that's not historical. We just have Svein Forkbeard be a badass pagan. And his son be like a weak Christian who during a, in the middle of a battle is praying to a cross instead of fighting. Like I, <laughs> I would like it a lot better if, if there was, if Thor's was more present in the narrative so that we just like, Oh, it being Christian doesn't just mean that you're a pussy in this like bizarre beefcake world. So I don't know. I, I'm, yeah. I'm confident that you've said before that there are more Christians in this. Cause I don't, my biggest need is always just to see Christianity portrayed as a legitimate religion rather than like the easy punching bag because it's obviously the one that won because it introduces this weird situation where you're like, why did the Christians win if they were if they were ridiculous weaklings who couldn't win a single battle? Did well, they... because all the Vikings became Christians. <laughs> and they became weaklings too, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's That checks out. <laughs> no, but moving on. Rage. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't mean that to be a slight against Christianity when I said. That. I mean, I, I'm not. Joke. I'm not Christian. I just like they're like the there's even for like Viking culture as it's caricatured in these media. You kind of want to see that there that there is like there's a quiet dignity in believing in the hanged god who does not need to fight. He wins automatically. You kill him, he wins. It's like it's the bad guy from Rurouni Kenshin. Like <laughs> Jesus won by getting killed by his enemies, and that this idea of a of a hanged god who could who could not be defeated and killing him makes him stronger. It gives him the power to save all the souls. Is like like shows never make that pitch because it feels weird to pitch a living a living religion like that. And instead, we just have you know this much more comprehensible and also coincidentally dead religion of like Norse paganism where you just have like hammers and dudes with one eye and eight legged horses and just like much more metal album cover religion rather than, (laughs) than what it is. And I just, I kind of want Christianity to be portrayed on equal footing and I'm hopeful that it'll get there eventually. But right now it just seems like a punching bag for weaklings. So I mean, Ben Netflix has the right for the Chronicles of Narnia. So you may be, you may be, I don't want I don't want Christian propaganda though. I just want like I want a, 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 a historical work that that makes Christianity not out to be the sucker's bargain because that's like my biggest problem with the Last Kingdom is like everyone who believes in Christianity is a dumbass who's getting who's getting ripped off by like greedy fat priests and like 
are there no greedy fat priests in Norse paganism? Are they all like like buff beach dudes who will like they're too busy fucking and killing to be precisely precisely (laughs) anyway that's that's my soapbox i'm sorry for taking up this time no no, no, it's it's fine ben it's like the the arc i think they're going to conclude with so currently canute's being portrayed as you said is like this quite effeminate quite um bit of a afraid of battle being manipulated by others character and I think like the what the next arc depends on whether you find interesting is what happens um when you take that character and you take his beliefs in uh, Christian stuff and you you combine it with um Askelad and say what if this per what if Askelad looks at this person and instead of seeing a dupe sees someone who he thinks if he if this person can be made to uh see to see to maintain his beliefs but uh take action more like Askelad does so a more cynical more ruthless canute but still with these uh moral underpinnings that, that's great can we just have him in there and delete Thorfinn. The problem is, like, the most to me, the most interesting because uh, this is so. F- do you mind? Spo- okay, spoilers, mind spoilers spoiler? aren't real, but warning to the rest of us. Okay, so um, at the end of this, this I'm not going to spoil this up. I'm going to spoil the arc which f- f- follows. So at the end of this arc, Askeladd's dead. Thorfinn is a slave on a Frankish uh, farm. Uh, and has just because he's he's been focused on revenge all this time right. he's, he's lost it and he's just now just completely just without purpose just like they're just going day to day and we, we've got an entire arc of of Thorfinn actually coming to terms with what it means to just live in live and to have desires for yourself and wanting to live a life and and wanting to be have hopes and dreams as just like a normal person it's just a a soldier reintegrating himself and finding that his when you have those normal desires his his father's philosophy makes more sense to him than it did when he was just this rage-filled teen yeah and we've got an, an arc of of that before it goes a bit shonen again and turns into roni kenshin or um i mean that's that's ex- i have a question that's ex- oh go ahead Don. That, not Don. sorry uh, would you like uh you like roni kenshin right ben sorry uh, yeah yes with severe qualifications <laughs> okay i was gonna say would you like vinland saga more if it was more like Rurouni kenshin i mean the, the, see the, the complicated thing is i really like trigun because i think trigun's a very thorough exploration of a total committed pacifist in a shonen anime mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and i think that Rurouni kenshin cheats a lot and also is kind of boring in places um which i refuse to hear people say that about about trigon trigon's exciting from from well, dawn to dusk. the second half sucks no you're wrong um <laughs> but like so let me just actually like let me do this better let me talk about the things that i actually do like uh about vinland saga and one thing that i really do like is 
basically what was laid out when Ashkelad's talking about the movement of time, um, where historically speaking, there was a strong belief around the turn of the millennium that in the next generation, the world would end and everyone would either be in hell or heaven. Mm. And the idea that like Ashkelad builds that into his idea of the rise and fall of empires was probably the happiest that I've been as a, <laughs> as a trained historian with a PhD watching this. Like, like, yes, that, that is this fundamental like pessimism and this idea that like you can live a happy life, but, but the world is on a downward slide. And in, in the end, everyone will die and all your earthly deeds will be for not save how they, how they regard the disposition of your soul. And so the idea that that was just laid out as the most thoughtful characters, like the most canny and like self-aware characters, that's his worldview. I really, really appreciated that. And I, and I really like, and I wish that this would come up more. It only comes up in dreams when, when Thor shows up and is like, Hey, stop. And then, <laughs> and then Thorfinn wakes up and it's like, no, what a bad dream. My dad told me not to revenge his death. Poor baby. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's when his it's when his dad's like no one's your enemy, and I, I really like that in a show in like a shonen anime that has a lot of like very goofy fighting. I think we talked uh, in the pre-roll of last episode that didn't make it into the episode about how like Thor kills gets half his hand cut off, and he's like, "Dang, well that's a good time. See you later, like little angry kid." Wait, like not, I don't <laughs> think it's a shonen. I think it's a seinen, isn't it? I mean, just more in terms of like the the like where everyone battles and they become friends. Oh, right. Just okay. that that dynamic rather than the trade that it's specifically published in. Right, um, right. I, but I apologize for too No, no worries. It's it's good to clarify. I like that. I like that. Like the biggest beefiest dude. Even though like I I just like the the fact that like Thor Kells can single handedly defeat an army means that like I don't believe that Thor's is is a bet was a better fighter than him but i don't know if that's as important to the rest of the viewers as it would be to me to know that like thor's really has to be best but regardless one of the strongest characters in the anime is just like no one's your enemy you don't have to fight anybody like everything can be solved non-violently but not in like a dogmatic vash the stampede slash uh what's his name roni kenshin man mr kenshin <laughs> first name roni um god i've completely drawn a blank on his name this is embarrassing uh but uh but yeah like these characters are like kind of stubbornly principled and like we are presented with a world where they're wrong like vash is wrong he has to like commit ridiculous acts of granted non-lethal violence to maintain his pacifism but like the idea that that when thor's has like his uh his his douchebag neighbor gorm um who's just like wants to like have his slave back so he can torture him for running away and like thor solves that non-violently and i think that that was like a really nice thesis statement that like you don't have to kill the people who disagree with you which is something that i don't think anime always <laughs> always <laughs> defends as a as a reasonable school of thought so i like that and i hope it gets back to that at a certain point um and if it goes back to it in like a sort of Roroni kenshin style where where Thorfinn becomes an expert at stabbing people in non-lethal areas. Fine. That's better than where we are now, where he just like sleeps on the top of a hill away from the rest of the army. He's like, I'm so sad about my dead dad all the time. Never stops. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep watching it. And this is definitely isn't like the other anime that I'm going to be talking about, <laughs> uh, which will not be named until we actually have to talk about it. But I, I just wish that it, I wish 
I wish that it wasn't being written from Encyclopedia Britannica articles from the first half of the 20th century is basically what I have to say about it, where the specimen of Viking manhood is definitely, from a eugenics perspective, the highest height of the white race's <laughs> uh, <laughs> cultural and physiological prowess. I, I kind of just want... And this is kind of goes back to what I said with Dr. Stone. I want, I want a, a, a fictional world where everyone's plausibly right. Um, but Again, that's, I, mean, I, I should probably stop go, watching man. cartoons for children. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, give, it, give, give Dr. Stone a go. What would you prefer, though? Would I would, prefer... I, I'm literally never going to watch Dr. Stone. I would rather walk into the ocean than watch Dr. Stone. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what would you prefer? Would you prefer... Someone to go around killing everything, or everybody to join in one giant oh, emotional. Andy, please, we've t- we've done this. <laughs> we've no, no, done no, no, this no. for an hour earlier. <laughs> like you know, the and just be all happy explosions. What would you prefer? Like the the unification of the world, or oh utter destruction? <laughs> so, which phase of instrumentality do yeah. I believe the animation ended in? See, I don't see. Like, to completely dip into masturbatory nonsense. Like, I like that in Evangelion, like, everyone's... The flaws in people's philosophies is that they take them too seriously, not that they're necessarily wrong. I mean, maybe mm-hmm, Gendo's mm-hmm. wrong by trying to get back together with his dead wife, because, you know, you, you, need, <laughs> you need to move on, buddy. But um, Yeah, she's dead. She's dead, dude. <laughs> you, you, cloned a, you made a clone of her. Um, you have a weirdly close relationship. Like, just take the L. Like stop, walk away. Stop spoiling, stop spoiling a twenty-year-old anime. <laughs> That's mean. <laughs> well, uh, that was very mean. Apologies. <laughs> speaking, speaking of things that are just bad, uh, and believe bad things, I am probably the only one still watching. Do you love your mom and her two-hit multi-target <laughs> attacks? Christ. Boy, howdy, are you ever? I cannot believe you chose to do this. <laughs> I mean, I it is a testament to your persistence. Yes, if nothing else, I'm, I'm only eight. I'm, I'm only eight episodes in. Um, I believe that it is an anime that does not. Is this a new show, bitch? Um, it's worse than show, bitch, because show, bitch was just at least like inept and unfunny. While this, I think, is espousing actually like morally and and like mentally damaging creeds. Because so the premise, if you didn't listen to that episode or you skipped over it, because you're like, I'm never going to watch a stupid. Uh, isekai with a long sentence title uh do you, well, do you let's, nobody's gonna everybody's gonna watch one of those like, just to be <laughs> yeah it, it's inevitable like the rising <laughs> setting of the sun like the coming of ragnarok or the rapture uh but so do you love your mom and her two hit multi-target attacks which we will later refer to as okasa online because i will not remember to keep using the full long title uh is about the government, represented by the one good character in the anime, Shirase, uh, voiced by, uh, what's her name, Duncan? Ah, should have. <laughs> no. no, damn it. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that. She's the only thing you like about the anime, though, so you should feel bad. It's true. Uh, but, yeah. But I stopped watching that anime a good few episodes ago, because <laughs> I know better. Yeah, well, you're not you're not caught in a really weird... Uh, Satomi Arai, that's her name. Thanks for yes, banting with me, everybody. Yeah. Uh, Satomi no, was... Arai is the, is the representative of the, this government program that's supposed to make children and their mothers get closer by trapping them in a, a, a video game in another world where the mom's really powerful and the, the kid's less powerful, and it's supposed to, like, experiment with, like... 
how to get families closer together. Yeah, it's like a it's got a weird like how does that help? Domestic right winger. I don't Andy <laughs> this is not even the the least <laughs> sensical thing in this anime <laughs> by an order of magnitude. Uh so uh so Ma- Masato and Mamako Mamako being the mother if you couldn't guess from this this anime's really bad naming conventions. Um, uh, oh, they, that's okay. In in Fire Force, there's a character named Maki and a character main, named Tamaki, and I confused them. Right <laughs> anyway, well, this carry is on. just that people are they, that moms are named after their kids. Is is kind of like the weird thing, or vice versa? Think, Wait, what? Yeah, when, I was about to say. Okay, think when Mamako got born, they were like, "Well, we're going to name it Mama." She's gonna she's gonna fucking have a baby someday, definitely. Um, <laughs> who knows? It's, it's I mean, she's, the, she's yeah. voiced by I mean, Ai Karan, Kayano in one of the most thankless roles I've ever seen a character in. But um, so they come in and the, the first couple episodes of jokes are just that like she's super duper powerful off the charts and everything. And he's just like a regular guy and he feels horribly emasculated. And Artie was kind of a weird scold with his mother. So he just yells at her for like defeating the enemy too fast and other typical predictable jokes but eventually they make a party and they find out that one of the party members her is actually she's got a mother too and her mother um like resents having a kid they got divorced and so she like gets trapped in the game world and becomes like a weird succubus who makes a throne out of men's bodies and like gets the gets a like dev console cheat that she used to give herself unlimited defense and they defeat her anyway after like yelling at her for a while, uh, but also not before having Wise, the the daughter in question, apologize for being a selfish child, and then she gets killed, and then they revive her, and then they just hit the offending mother really hard, and she's like, "You're right, I I like having kids is a bother, but like the joy of motherhood is more important to me," and that sets up a pattern where motherhood is just inherently a great thing and being a mother means that deep down you're a good person and therefore that if kids have mothers who are abusing them they should forgive their mothers because mothers mean well by virtue of being mothers and that's how the next plot is where Medi and her mother Medi mama not a joke not even not even played like no one even comments on it in the anime it's just uh <laughs> The mother was just like, well, my daughter's not a mother, so I'll just take Mama out of my own name, and that will be her name. But <laughs> but uh, she's she is quiet and withdrawn, and her mother wants her to be the best and says, like, it's not, it's not important to have friends. It's not important to do anything but be number one. And then it comes out that um, her mother wants that because she wants people to think that she's a good mother if her daughter is number one at everything and has no friends. And so they hit her really hard. But not before uh medi transforms into a dragon with extremely large mammalian breasts uh (laughs) and then they all hit medi mama really hard and medi mama's like oh sorry i got caught up in trying to be a good mother that i ended up being a bad mother but i'm a mother which means i'm a good mother and then and then medi has to apologize to her mother for abusing her what how does that what i'm a mom so therefore i'm inherently a good mother motherhood motherhood is a is a is the act of being a mother makes you a good mother and it's only outside factors or temporary distractions that the child should have to forgive their parent for that uh, turn them into bad mothers. And that's all I have to say about this anime. It's it's occasionally funny, largely Shirase, whose name also sounds like the Japanese word for inform. 
and she's also the expedition. So she's like, Shirase's got a Shirase. So sit here while I Shirase. That's the joke. Also, she dies a lot. But also they reuse that joke and the main character Masato also dies a lot. So much the levels up in dying, which is a joke that we get <laughs> used once so that we can find out that um, Mama drugs Medi's food so that she gets really horny and seduces Masato so that Masato will get horny and then not be the best in his class. So they go to school for this. Well, it's yeah, they, they like enroll in like fantasy school inside a fantasy video game. And that's how they meet. Medi Mama, who wants her daughter Medi to be the best at made up fantasy school in a video game, and then again drugs, uh, drugs, and later beats her daughter to make her be better at school. Um, but she means well, so Medi's got to forgive her, and that's the lesson that we're teaching our kids who watch this extremely bad trash fire anime. Wow, that's <laughs> wow! Uh... It, it got even worse than I could possibly imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's just just. The, the abuse apologia and the smug like well you gotta love your mother all I can think of is like all the people I know who just have strained or non-existence relationships with their mother because they're it's possible to be a bad mother and like the joy of childbirth is not some sort of weird chrism that you apply to yourself that turns you into an inherently good person I love my mother she's great hi mom if you're listening <laughs> I apologize for saying bitch and pussy a bunch in my previous discussion <laughs> but like like I don't, I don't need an isekai where the message is your mother means well. So like, call her up and apologize for being a bad kid, which is literally what the. Uh, anyway, so, so there's a joke going around that uh, like Shinzo Abe will like you know like the invisible hand of Shinzo Abe will like get anime to like push people towards like heteronormative relationships and start families and increase the birth rate in Japan. And is do you think that this is just naturally occurring in this show or is there like some kind of weird ulterior motive i don't know i've tried to stalk the the author who is apparently in his late 30s in his mail of the light novel that do you love your mother in a two-hit multi-target attacks is based on um but no i i don't know if he got a like grant or something but this is his only novel as far as i can tell so I mean, let me let me double check that real quick. But no, I think it's just like, I think that it's just toothless and it's afraid of of having a message that's like, maybe your mother's a piece of shit and you should stop talking to her. <laughs> like, that's going to get written up in, in some like mom's net publication or something. <laughs> I don't know, but it, it definitely like. There are certain points in this anime where, like, wise, your mother's a bad person. But of course, there's there's the mechanism that, like, you get to leave the game uh, <laughs> when you only get to leave the game when you have a good relationship with your mother. Uh, so you're literally trapped in here until you accept your parents' abuse and forgive them for it. I mean, you could almost <laughs> believe it was a satire of the whole Abe's invisible hand of uh, introducing it, but it sounds like it's perfectly serious. It's completely, like, it's, it, it's dead serious. It, it, be- it believes he's the trash it is saying, which is I think it, I think it's, it's, just, it's just unthinking commercialism where, like, you don't, like, it's the easier thing to sell. It's like, motherhood's important. He, he says he says while shrugging helplessly this i mean but it's just it's baffling because like i know very few people who aren't doing the exact sort of like it's just good fun stop trying to analyze it for like societal messages it's just an anime and animes and anime doesn't have to say anything 
uh, is like the only way that I can that I can read this. I don't um, know. If ben is the mum hot? Then there's another reason. The mum, the mum, the mum is hot and also mentally sixteen years old. Um, <laughs> like she, like I would have been, like she, she cries and puffs her cheeks. We, Duncan and I talked about this when we were first talking about it. Like, yeah, she's she's just a baby, um, right. and she like doesn't get things. Like she doesn't get that. Like her son squicked out about seeing her in a bikini. Um, and like literally the eighth episode begins with like the like magical tax, like melting away her clothes. And she like cries out. She's like, cha mom's wearing a thong today. And then it shows the thong and Masa has to be like, Oh fuck. Can't see my mom naked. And it's just, that's, that's the joke. That's the joke. You're supposed to laugh at episode after episode. That was the, that was the exact moment I tapped out of that show. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it makes you feel better, they do it at least four more times from where I am two thirds through the anime. So yeah. And like you, you guys know that I've persisted through a lot of like whack shit, but like I've like nothing about that show ever gave me any kind of like impression that it was ever going to like get better. So I was just like, all right, this is where it's going to go. Yeah. I'm out. See, the funny thing is, is I am just reminded of the John Berger ways of seeing quote about vanity of like the whole, like you paint a naked woman because you enjoy looking at her, put a mirror in her hand and you call the painting van- vanity is like, you make a you make a super hot mom with with massive jugs and then call us perverts for for our viewpoint <laughs> character flinching away from seeing her naked like and and it's so funny because if you go online you find people who are freaking pissed that this does not have more incest content like like just <laughs> just beside themselves livid like why'd you give her big tits if you're not gonna see like her make out with her son and it's like come on anime you gotta be better than this I mean people like Oremo. <laughs> even even e- Ori Emo has more of a fig leaf than this does. This one's fig leaf is melting away while it says "Ka, I didn't wear any underwear." So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know, but maybe it's because it's closer to fulfilling the fetish that the fetish. Yeah, I mean, speaking of fi- get more angry. Speaking of fire of like Fire Force being like, oh man, he just can't help molesting this girl. It's like, man. Mama can't just can't help like having her clothes come off or try on different outfits that are that are uh, that are more revealing. And the show knows it's doing this because while they're at school, she gets confessed to by a student um, who hilariously they didn't have time to like they like built the school in a hurry. So all the so all the stu- other students are just like cutouts in school uniforms, like white cutouts in school <laughs> uniforms. That's the level of laughing Good. that anyone should do at that joke. Good. Uh, but one of them confesses to her and she's like, sorry, I'm really flattered by that, but I can't date you. I'm Masato's mother. Um, and and it's set, the way it's framed sounds like I can't date you because I got a bone down with Masato late, later. And that's not what they're saying, but they're letting you think that. So, right. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I should say my like as a random aside, my favorite, um, and by favorite I mean the most convoluted way of seeing some like anime titty for no reason other than they want to show titty is in Bokuven, where she, for some odd reason, for some odd reason, she takes a phone call whilst she's having a bath with the main protagonist Potato Kun, and then she's like. Oh, I'm going to put him on loudspeaker so I can hear him whilst I'm washing myself. And then presses the video function instead and doesn't realize because she's got soap in her eyes. So she doesn't see it. And it's, um, it's the best. It's the best. 
We, we noticed I've never well, talked about this show before. It's not very good. <laughs> I, think, I think you brought up Bokuban once as something that you were not going to talk about because it wasn't good, but it made an impression on you, clearly. <laughs> just just the levels of perviness that okay. anime can do. <laughs> well, well, speaking of completely non-perverted anime, I think that both uh, both Jeff and Duncan share three mature, non-sexual takes on high school femininity, correct? Two? Uh, yeah, technically no, no, there's three. only two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you been watching Wasteful Days 2? No, but I'll probably catch up to it at some Okay, point. that's my mistake <laughs> then. Jeff is the one who is who is majoring um, in young female bodies this season. Well, majoring in minors. You could have <laughs> nice. not oh, good. taken it. You could have not taken it that direction, guys. I mean, I'm just saying. That was an option. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways... It's, it's where we it's where we are, John. Unfortunately, at this moment. Well, let, let's let's deal with Omegans in their Savage season because it deals with that kind of shit as well and ha- has things to say about it. So last time we talked about this show, um, uh, Hotten, oh, what's her name? Yeah, Hongo was about to confess to her teacher, and uh, Nina was about to confess to her like weird abusive like guide from her past what is it uh, i mean just call him her abuser her mentor that's what yeah. he is yeah and yeah everybody everybody was pre- preparing to confess to their respective sweethearts whether they be problematic or not and the show kind of like it it, it leaned into some of them in a weird way and also leaned into being good about it in other ways like yeah it, so, it was strange it was not a a nice clean resolution we might have hoped for, but it wasn't didn't in, didn't end up being horrifically endorsing the the things we worried about. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because I had read like okay, so <clears throat> let's talk about Nina first because it's like yeah, it's it, it started off the grossest because you know she yeah. is the you know everybody thinks at school thinks she's she's like the mean girl. They're all kind of suspicious of her when she joins the the literature club and then it turns out that she had a you know a severely abusive relationship with a mentor when she was young who had basically been grooming her to be his muse quote-unquote and had told her you know i'll never touch you because that will sully you in my eyes but you will you know this is you know this is you at your you know most valuable to the world and as you fade like this will go away and he's basically just like undermining her and undermining her and making her emotionally yeah. reliant on him and her whole arc for this show is dealing with that and dealing with it badly and it eventually culminates with her confronting him to try and force herself on him and then finally snapping and punching him in the head and running away and I, I I wasn't sure if that was supposed to read as cathartic or if it was supposed to read as terrifying because it's not really like a high point for her. That's like her at her lowest moment. But the way it's portrayed almost seems like because like that's the last time we ever see the dude. Like there's no mm. ramifications for her assaulting him. There's no ramifications for her, you know, beyond her own like mental anguish. And I, I like I don't know. I, I wasn't totally satisfied with that. No, I, I do think it was, as you say, some cathartic moment where uh, she, she her revenge is more than just one punch. It's more than just a, a, a moment of 
realization of disgust and uh, uh, at what she's doing and what she's allowed him to do to her. Uh, you want it more than that, just one moment. You want something more more concrete and more and for there to be some repercussions to him for his his acts but is i wonder if like the 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 thing from this is is that a lot of times that's not going to happen in in life that, yeah that's like the important thing is that she does make this decision that she's got to uh, she needs to that she has to stop letting this part of her life affect her and move away from it because it's making her miserable and it's making the people she cares about miserable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's like in, in a lot of ways, especially when it deals with just like the general shittiness of being a woman in the world run by men is an, a kind of fatalistic acceptance of like, this is the way things are. And sh this is about them dealing with it rather than, a polemic about how this is bad and this is how, you know, and, and a call for change. It's more like, this is how these people are dealing with it. And, you know, it, for some, for some people, their relationship with their respective guys, is like, um, Kazusa, uh, actually, I'm going to have to like pull up a list. Yeah. Of names, Kazusa like, is the main, uh, female lead and Izumi is her, her love interest. Yeah. Like they had grown up together and they, you know, they, they know they feel like a romantic connection, but they don't feel a physical connection. And their whole arc is basically working out the fact that, hey, romantic feelings and sexual feelings are not necessarily the same thing. But they, and, you know, Izumi has, you know, he's horny for Nina, but he doesn't want to act on that. And he doesn't know how to put those things at rest. And he eventually, like, it being a Mariokata anime eventually ends with everybody running around at night in a uh, a school she she does like like her, her her sort of crescendo uh uh moments where everyone's problems are come to a head and are resolved in one go she doesn't like like these things staged happening one after other it has to be one big big moment where everything is resolved mm -hmm. and or at least everything is like put on a, on a proper course Although in, in fairness, I, I feel like uh, uh, Sonazaki, he's he, the sort of bookwormish girl who starts off as a prude and and then sort of gets over it and starts to uh, uh, sort of be more forgiving of herself and of others for their natural impulses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she, she really resolves... stops. Yeah, she really stops being a prude. And sorry, I cut you off. What were you going to say? I I feel like she becomes far more well adapted uh, it's fairly early on and has a healthy relationship with her 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 boyfriend for pretty much the whole series mm -hmm. which is it's like the the one who starts out most opposed to with the idea of um uh couples and and uh teenage romance is the one who actually finds a genuine connection with someone and uh yeah, who's just like a guy who thinks she's cute and like is like a, you know just like genuinely nice. You know, he's he's had some physical stuff with other people before, and you know this like terrifies her and freaks her out. But you know, again, you know it it's about the, you know making emotional connections and physical connections sort of separately. You know, the she's you know Sonazaki is kind of uh, contrasted by Andrew, who is like. 
you know, sort of portrayed as being the, you know, the class bicycle and actually ends up leaving the school because she was, you know, she got knocked up, which is like, you know, pretty strong for a, you know, a high school somewhat comedy kind of drama anime. But it also doesn't portray this as like her life is now over like no, one of the no. last shots of the show she's you know in a selfie with the the husband who or with the with the father who she had described as like oh he's just like a nice guy like he's you know he's not the most athletic he's not the most smart but i really have feelings for him and you know it's just like a nice little family selfie of these teenagers with their baby and it's like look he's three months old hooray and it's yeah. it's and, and that's not like shown as like a teaching moment like like there's actually a, a subplot towards the end of the series where Sonazaki and her boyfriend get expelled uh, as an example to like scare all the other kids into not having relationships with each other because the two like hilariously like out of touch principals are like terrified that there's going to be more girls who end up like Andrew and just declare that, you know, any kind of relationship between sexes is forbidden and, you know, and, and expels them. And then they, you know, they end up, you know, kidnapping their teacher and, you know, demanding that they be reinstated. And that's how, you know, part of the whole Maria Okada crescendo uh, towards the end, like trying to resolve this. And so there's like, you know, there, there's very much like a rec- like a recognition of the show that the school or like the world is run by like shitty dudes and that it is sort of, you know, a woman's plight to be living here and like it's just a a story of how five of them try to get by and i think you know for those reasons like i think it's it's, it's a pretty good show like i th- i thought they were going to go more into the the uh the institutional nature of misogyny with hongo mm-hmm. because she had like a a publisher to, in the early show who was pressuring her to write more sexual things and it sounded like he was kind of like grooming her to like to go oh, i want you to you know i yeah. want you to sex things up i want you to come and meet me personally you know there's these other girls who are all willing to do this and you're not willing to do this why aren't you willing to do this and then towards you know later on he just kind of like that's dropped entirely so she can like perv on her teacher who's like you know he's extremely not into it but also is extremely not pushing her away in a way that a responsible adult should, but he's also kind of portrayed as being like a clueless dude, but also ends up being a kind of like sage father figure towards the end of the show. So, you know, it's like, you know, Milo's yeah. one of the, one of the good ones. I mean, like that's that whole aspect of sort of um, assumed cultural expectations of, of women and how men sort of, play them out on them i think it's actually best ends up best in uh momoko's story mm-hmm. where um she she's not sure that she she hasn't found anyone she wants to date and she's beginning to wonder if there's something wrong with her um and then one day this this boy decides to ask her out and sort of almost out of obligation she says oh well fine i'll i'll go on a date and i'll i'll see see if this works for me and it ends up being something she doesn't enjoy at all and she she finds him creepy and she says well i just don't want to see you anymore and he keeps messaging her and he keeps following her and keeps saying well we're friends aren't we aren't we and it's this moment where he sort of just touches her in in public 
gra- grabs her and and she's actually just finally gets the courage to just tell him to basically to fuck off and leave me the hell alone i i you're not my friend and i don't want anything to do with you and her realization like that she doesn't want to deal with is this, this ship she's been forced upon uh, on her mm-hmm. as this role of, of just someone to be desired by someone and to play out that the way that she it's should conform to, to her, her his desires and how he expects her to be and that what she's what she probably is is interested in other girls is inter- an interesting way to to take that character when yeah uh, especially when she... she's like throughout the series contrasted by uh, Sonazaki, who is just repelled by the very idea of being attracted to guys, and who you know ends up falling in love with this boy, and suddenly you know all of the cliches about once you fall in love, the whole world looks different just becomes immediately true for her. And so, and then Momoko is like, oh, maybe there's something wrong with me because yeah. like I I made this very cursory connection with this guy, and the world didn't change for me, so maybe I'm broken. And then she's, you know, she's very, you know, loudly wondering throughout the series, like, why are we even supposed to be attracted to guys? They have big pores. They look stupid. They act stupid. Wouldn't it make more sense for women to be attracted to women? And then, you know, someone (laughs) just kind of like, you know, the writer looks directly into the camera and eventually she comes to that realization. But because she lives in the society, she does and has the, the expectations put on her that she has, you know, it takes her a long time to get there. And the object of her affection being Nina similarly like has you know a lot of her own issues to work through and they they kind of imply that you know they become closer at the end of the series um and so but like like this isn't a show that's going to ever deliver absolute answers for anybody and i think that is to its strength because i don't think it ever really could have Mm, um but yeah it's it it ended up being you know a journey and like you know again like this is a, a show with five white dudes in their you know, middle age so like you know we're you know the furthest possible demographic from you know having experienced these things personally <laughs> but like it the, the whole series is you know it, it feels very genuine and very you know tragic in real ways and triumphant in real ways that you know i can i i hardly recommend people check it out um it's it's it, it'll be rough, and I think for a lot of people, it'll maybe be a little too close to home for with some stuff. Yeah, it's almost like the opposite of me and Ben's complaints for, about Carol and Tuesday. Like the way everything is solved, every episode in Carol and Tuesday, nothing is ever solved in um, Oh Maidens. It's always just me- messy, and like mm-hmm. there's always an after effect, and nothing's resolved cleanly. But it's yep. it's still a good exploration of those issues. Yep. Yep. I agree. And that's pretty much everything I have to say about it. And let's very quickly address. um, Yeah. I I doubt the other two, other two anime we have left to discuss have that much heft as what you've just talked about. So, no. So I was going to say, if we just quickly address uh, uh, Dumbbells, which was in my view, like, the best comedy of the season and incredibly light and no weight to it at all, but just had absolutely impeccable timing and and uh, uh, 
just excellent comedy direction and was just funny from episode one to its finale. And it's like, yeah, just a great comedy, but... Very horny. It's like, it's impossible to get away from that. It is like, at its heart, an etchy show. But it's also, you know, it's not an etchy show that hates its heroines. And, you know, the, the jokes are not usually at their expense. Or if it is, it's just because they're acting silly rather than... Kai, you know, Kiai, oh, I'm accidentally Warthong, oh no, kind of shit. Yeah, it's, it's like the, 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 a lot of the time, uh, it's it's also good that it, it's, it laughs at, at the, it never sort of has them, like, as, like, the example, um, like, John gave of, like, uh, the, the cat girl falling in, slipping up, and, like you were saying, slipping up and just wardrobe malfunctions left and right and that sort of stuff it's it's always is the jokes are about um things they are concerned about not things that happen to them most mm-hmm. of the time and it also has a male characters which are as much like most of the male cast are, are, are puns like it's it's like i i can't think of a single male character who's who's not Sort of like a punchline, and and a punchline for a non-perverted joke most of the time. Like there's there's exactly one joke in the whole show where it turns out that like one dude has like you know wants to like creepily perv on the the main girls, and then they're they're just like immediately lost at sea, and then like eventually like rescued because it's a you know it's a soft show, and they're not going to kill anybody just because they're a monster, you know. Eventually, like you know, learns the error of their ways and apologizes and everything else, but. Yeah, yeah. It's like 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 the main dude in the show, Machio, who's like their trainer, has like you know the body of a god, but like you know is always like conve- you know conveniently hidden beneath his like workout clothes. And there's like a bunch of shots of him like you know he'll like explode out of his clothes in this like gigantic monstrous body, and then he'll just like put on another jumper and he'll just like his his body will like physically shrink down to be like a normal person again. <laughs> I do Which like, is like a, a pretty good gag. I do like the additional physical gag of when I... I haven't seen the show, but I've seen some pictures of it. Um, uh, I like the physical... I like the additional physical joke of him exploding, but his head remaining the same size. I yeah. I think that's very funny. Yeah, um, they they, they kind of lampshade that, where it's like, it looks like a bodybuilder's head with your, your face photoshopped onto it. What the hell is going on right now? <laughs> And and it also like it takes place in like a shonen fighting world like it it takes place in the same world as like that was it Asuran Kagura or something like that Kenkan Kenkan Asura I yeah think. so like they they'll have gags where like the Hibiki the main girl will like you know her you know the last episode they're doing like a talent show at a beach so everybody can be in bikinis of course and her talent is that she like punches a heavy bag off of a off its off of its support because she's just like randomly strong like a super saiyan and that you know it, it barely ever comes up but like you know they've kind of they've sort of declared that this world is a world where that kind of thing can happen because it's you know it's a world where that other show can take place but they just mostly play it for laughs it's good yeah and like i th- i th- think like a lot you can get a lot of uh a good understanding of of what the show's sense of of humor is like when you think you see how it treats it. Uh, it uh, Barney, it's Arnold, absolutely hundred percent not Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, character, and it's like this is Barney. He was in uh, uh, First Commando and uh, uh, 
uh, what was it? Uh, Terminator Predator, and, and it's like yeah, yeah. And then they're like, "Oh, were you in that movie where you came back in time to defend the boy?" And you said, "I'll be back." And he's like, "No, no, no. That was absolutely a completely different guy, and not me." <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a well done comedy in the end. With as as Jeff says, with etchy elements, which if they really bother you, they probably will really bother you. But if yeah, the show you've... isn't not sexist, unfortunately, but yeah. But yeah, that's all you can say. It's very funny. Unfortunately, it's also <laughs> come into the to the mud with us. Well, that seems like a good place to take a brief break, and then we can come back for talking about next episode's spotlight topic and answering a question from our listeners. And we're back. For the second half of this podcast, we will, first of all, clue y'all into what we'll be talking about in our next episode, which is the topic of, well, we used three TV tropes to roll uh, our next topic. So it's titled in the TV tropes article, Anime Chinese Girl. But I think that we're more looking at depictions of Chinese people and Chinese culture in Japanese anime. So write in if you've got any ideas and definitely come in and listen to hear us talk about that. I've got a few that I'm excited to talk about myself. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. 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 Cool. And now for the main event is we actually got a question Uh, writing to us on Facebook. John, not our John, says, what's the worst reason that you started watching an anime? And... (laughs) And that's going to be a chance for some great humiliation by us, a I'll group of extremely smart, articulate people who never get humiliated by anything. So yeah, John, take uh, it away. I'm definitely not smart or, or articulate, so this will be easy. Um, it's also hypocritical of me because I'm always making fun of Andy for watching Smut. Uh, <laughs> I, I watched Punchline because the title is a pun for panty line. Thank you. <laughs> Man, did, did, you, did you just read that and was just you're just like yes i was like yeah i like puns and that's really dumb so i did and then it ended up being a very perfect show about a dude <laughs> who turns into like a superpowered, uh mindless idiot every time he sees panties and then i think it's like a time loop thing right if i remember correctly. yeah like, so oh. so he he then he oh god it's not a, this is he basically thing. explodes every time he sees he sees panties and then and then goes back yeah, in time I played the game afterwards there's um, a game yeah so it was a it was a dual release i think it was a game and an anime um and then it the game i thought would expand a bit more on the series but it turns out Which, it doesn't exactly no. the same uh, <laughs> there is a weird time it is to be fair there's a lot of it that's interesting like Oh, no, no, no! I actually like the show overall. Yeah, uh, much to my shame, like I said. But but yeah, that it's is, about, that is it's what about, I did. That is why I watched it. And yeah, about a guy who, yeah, about a guy who sees panties twice, I think, and then he, and then the world explodes. Yeah, and, that's right. The whole world explodes. Yeah, yeah and then because uh, yeah. his power so is so, his power is so strong that an impending meteorite um, will be dragged towards like the uh to to where he is which is japan so the world ends it's fucking stupid and then like there's like this whole evil corporation who wants the asteroid to land and then there's another set that don't and uh these like there's like a character yeah it's um it's very funny but very dumb and actually has some like quite interesting plot like quite interesting 
mysteries, but then the solution of it is so unsatisfying because he basically goes back to the beginning of the anime and then it's just like, do it again! And then he doesn't do it. And then the end is just, well, you fucked up this time, maybe next time. And it's just like, okay, this is (laughs) so weird. (laughs) But yeah, um, that wasn't... Right, my... I guess my um, terrible reason for watching an anime... um, I was in Japan and uh, there was a, there was a, like one of these like horrific gambling games, like that was in basically like a, like a claw machine. And I got mm-hmm. quite addicted to like trying to get this one figurine of this character who I was like, oh, she looks um, nice. Uh, and then <laughs> <laughs> I spent about a thousand yen before realizing that I can, I can just find it and buy it and it would be cheaper than the odds <laughs> of me rolling like three sixes in a row um and then i did and then i watched the anime and the anime was called too hot and uh, it's not that good i've never <laughs> heard of this anime <laughs> no it's because it's trashy light novel uh actually i think it's a visual novel romance uh, and the character was tamaki korsaka and it was garbage but the figurine was good okay well i have several because i mean i think i've already talked on this podcast a lot about my unfortunate tendency to pick up anime because i find the character designs interesting especially the female character designs i'm only human um that's what i keep saying you got some girls with some strong eyebrow game i want to see what they do in the anime uh uh incredibly this has not led me to watch chaika coffin princess as i think i joked about <laughs> a few episodes ago despite that some fierce eye ga- eyebrow game uh and there's also all the anime that i've watched because i'm interested in alcohol and cocktails that are bad like bartender and takunomi and osake wafufu but i think the dumbest reason the worst reason uh was simply because i thought all-purpose cultural katku nuku girl nuku nuku was hilarious as like the apotheosis of overlong stupid anime titles so so it's just it's just like oh man this is so ridiculous and it's like it's using like all purpose and cultural were like infomercial style words at that time like very commonly in like sort of slap chop type ads they would use like all purpose and cultural to wait to like signify exceptional quality and so the fact that they use those for a cat girl named nuku 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 really tickled me and actually it's one of my one of my favorite like b-grade anime that i've ever watched and then it was the time that i picked up trigon my first anime ever to impress a girl in high school which i told in like i think the very first episode of this is that podcast. a dumb reason or is that it didn't work so it was dumb in that respect <laughs> <laughs> so that's me jeff time to put you on blast <laughs> you kind of stole my thunder because like i a friend of mine uh, like a guy friend, like this is, I wasn't trying to impress a girl, so it isn't like the exact same thing. But it's he, not that pathetic. <laughs> he he knew that I like was vaguely aware of anime, and he was like, I watched this show, and it was about like the whole show was a western, and the whole thing was a western, and but then at the last episode, it turns out that the main character was a robot, and I have no idea what that show was, but it was really good, and I want to try and like find the name, and I had like I had never heard of it, like I don't I don't. We didn't have. I don't think it was on Toonami or whatever the like the the uh, like the Cartoon Network like anime hour. I don't think that that ever really played in Canada, and so I was just 
randomly googling like sci-fi cowboy and this is like you know well before the game google probably like alta visting or like lycosing or something ask and, yeah like i asked jeeves like what is this anime and he directed me towards a forum where somebody had said oh trigon is kind of like this so i was like oh okay like i'll, I'll download an episode off kazaa or something and it was like <laughs> really okay, dating, this show trying to date yourself so hard aren't you? what <laughs> you're dating yourself so hard <laughs> and like, I watched the first episode, and I was like, oh, dude, I mean, this seems good. And then I I watched Trigun. Like, I, I, I somehow, like, walked into the wilderness of anime and found Trigun completely organically, having no former knowledge as to what it was, and then being shocked that everybody already knew about it, like, five <laughs> years later when I found normal people who, like, also liked anime. Yeah. Well, that just leaves Duncan, then. Well, I've, I've realized that I've, just like Ben, I've, I've actually... You mentioned my dumbest reason previously, which is I decided to watch Rin, Daughters of Me- Messonine oh, because I saw stupid. a reference to it in Lady Killer in a bind. Oh, yeah. Just a random um, character saying it, it was her favorite anime. And it was like, I should remember that anime. I remember it being terrible. Did you uh-huh. like Did you like the character uh, <laughs> where you're like, <laughs> oh, I want to see what kind of anime they like. Christine Love has tried to do that with me. She's like, I love Cardcaptor Soccer. And I'm like, fuck, if Christine Love loves Cardcaptor Soccer, I may have to watch it. No. <laughs> Luckily, I don't I don't have to say, like, being a fan of someone and they said they liked uh, Rose and Maiden. And I was like, I should watch Rose and Maiden. I downloaded it and I was just like, I'm not going to watch Rose and Maiden. Well, I think the thing <laughs> is that... not be friends with this person. Obviously, <laughs> Lady Killer in the Bind has uh, themes of S&M and stuff in in it as its primary theme. And <laughs> one of the characters um, uh, mentions this game. This game. One of the characters mentions the anime. And so the question is, I remember watching that, but I didn't really have any sort of awareness of, of this lens to view that anime through at the time. And and then watching it for the second time, I went, oh, ah, so so this is, so that's what's going on here. It's a this sex thing. An, <laughs> <laughs> this is an anime for people who like S&M. And it's like, ah, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that just, yeah, so... <laughs> There's lot. There's that lots of dumb reasons to pick that. up to to pick up anime, I guess. Yep. Be horny. That's, yeah. that's how you get into anime. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the I reasons I originally got into anime is because for a lot of it was just that like it was you're able to see some really weird sci-fi that you would not see or even read about in the West, and that's like where I started. Mm. And then I branched out to like just crappy shonen and yeah, like cheesecake shows. Well, not, Rin, not actual Rin, cheesecake. Rin certainly like, was a weird it's it's science, science fiction unlike pretty much any I've I've watched in the, in the West. So yeah, yeah, feels yeah, on that yeah. that level at least. But, or you could watch Dorman Gan because you hear it has really good guns, and then it doesn't really have really good guns. <laughs> See, that's 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 all my stories, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm, I've been meaning to like because of all the fucking city pop playlists that I listen to. The number of times I've seen like. A two-second gif of some girls dancing, or like something, some weird like techno lights. I'm like, hmm, I think I want to check out this anime. So now I've downloaded Dirty Pair, and I'm gonna watch hey. it at one point. But oh, <laughs> makes Duncan so happy. I've got the trashier version of that, where I watch AMV Hell, and like an AMV Hell clip makes me laugh a lot, and then I like watch the actual anime. I'm like, oh, they took it completely out of context. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to hell. 
<laughs> which is the song that opens i think episode uh, movie five of amvl welcome to hell okay right. well um so remember uh next episode uh we will be talking about uh chi- depictions of the chinese especially chinese women in anime uh and if you have any ideas please write them in or if you have a good idea for our next topic go ahead and write that in too we can't guarantee that we'll get right to it but we'll do our best because we want more input you can see how we are in a a perfect echo chamber we all agree that demon slayer is bad uh here Mm -hmm. so we need some outside perspectives (laughs) yep every single person (laughs) so rate review and subscribe to us on apple podcasts find us on twitter at keyframes pod find us on facebook search for keyframes podcasts email us questions keyframes podcast at gmail.com something about stitcher spotify i don't have this part in my notes and of course tell a friend but but not any friend oh no tell the tell the friend who keeps forgetting about the bit that you've been doing for like six months the bit that he imposed on (laughs) us like an unwelcome house guest oh fuck yeah i did do that and you're you're the figurative hans christian anderson staying unwelcome in our charles dickens house (laughs) i don't know what that means that's a reference Uh, look it up it's hilarious he he came and stayed for two weeks and it ruined their friendship (laughs) What, what did you say he didn't want to leave hans christian anderson stayed like charles dickens i we're going to cut this all out because it'll be funny for them to look it up uh but no, Charles Dickens, uh, like, sent an offhand, like, you should come over sometimes. And Hans Christian Danson's like, I'm coming next month. And he stayed for two weeks and wouldn't leave. <laughs> <laughs> and they ended up hating each other. And they never spoke again. <laughs> it's really good. I'll post, I'll post it in show notes. Yes. I would, I would listen to that podcast for sure. <laughs> Say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.